Good to have you along here, three and out on this Wednesday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're with us. Thanks for making us a part of your day. We got so much to get to here on the show. We'll get our headphones and all that uh, figured out. But uh, Chris Rim of AtlantaFalcons.com going to join us. We'll look at the Atlanta Falcons now heading through the offseason. A lot of debate on Matt Ryan, or do you move on from Matt Ryan with the uh, maybe a, a pick in a draft? We'll talk to Chris Rim about that and all the other Falcons uh, pressing questions here. Uh, Bill Connolly, ESPN.com, has put out his new S&P Plus for uh, college football heading into the offseason. Some intriguing things there as we move into the new uh, season of college football, which is, of course, spring practice. So we'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. Maurice Claret going to join us coming up in the final hour of the program, former national championship winning running back there at Ohio State. We'll hear from him. Also, Jermichael Finley, former uh, UT tight end and Super Bowl champ with the Packers. He will join us on the program as well. So a lot to get to here on the show as we count it down towards the Super Bowl. Ben, Bengals, and Rams. You just look at the matchups. I know people say, well, it comes down to the matchup, how it's going to play out. How do you see the Bengals and the Rams matching up here in this Super Bowl? Obviously, one with a very unlikely story in the Bengals to get to this point. Kevin, uh, the the question that hasn't been answered all year, who is going to cover Cooper Cup? Because you you go back to every he's and he's been significant in every game this year, definitely in the playoffs. You go back to uh when uh Tom Brady was trying to make his uh grand comeback. Uh and then what happened? You get Antoine Winfield Jr. up against Cooper Cup. That's a matchup you're gonna take every day. Eli Apple, uh cornerback for the uh Cincinnati Bengals, has talked a lot of trash this playoff run. Made it to the Super Bowl. Well, we're gonna see can you make your money because somebody's gonna have to give a lot of attention to Mr. One Cooper Cup. Yes, he's the best. He was the best receiver statistically this year in the league. He was a triple crown runner. Yard, I mean uh, catches, yards, touchdowns. One man, Cooper Cup. If you are Cincinnati, you better find a way to score and make them keep this thing a game. Because the thing about Matthew Stafford, he has Cooper Cup. Oh, he also has Odell Beckham Jr. Oh, he also has Aaron Donald on defense. Oh, and and Floyd and uh, Von Miller and Jalen Ramsey. And Ernest Jones, and the list goes on, and Eric Weddle, and the list goes on and on. So for Cincinnati, it's going to be finding a way to stay, you know, uh, Kevin, finding a way to one, you know, it's going to be hard. Dear O line from, uh, from Cincinnati, yeah, don't suck. You can't. Can't do it this weekend because you got four hungry D linemen that's coming for you behind, and one of them might be the greatest D lineman, of, you know, we've ever seen at a D tackle position in Aaron Donald. So find a way to stop Cooper Cup or slow him down. If you are Cincinnati, find a way to make some, uh, you know, run some plays with T. Higgins and those guys and mixing those guys. Because, Kevin, you know what you're like. I know Cincinnati gave up nine sacks <laughs> yeah. against Tennessee, and they won. Well, that's probably because you got Ryan Tannehill. And you had, uh, you had uh, you know, they say he was healthy, Derrick Henry. We all know Derrick Henry was not healthy, hadn't played all year. Sonny Michelle, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham Jr., that's a lot of firepower to try to deal with. So for me, it's going to be Cincinnati trying to, excuse me, establish a, establish the run, get some get some chunk plays. Because if you if you if they can't if, if that old line, which is going to be the matchup, the old line for Cincinnati cannot try to contain the D line sure. from the ramp. It's 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 over with because you know uh, you know Aaron Donald going to get doubled every single play, which means those guys Von Miller and Lord they, those guys going to feast on the outside. And if you make a mistake with Jalen Ramsey. That is going to be pick six. So we'll see. But Cincinnati uh, Bengals O-line, probably not going to get a lot of sleep this week. 
Because everybody's going to be watching. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, but, 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 that's but, it. but that is the matchup, right? I mean, yeah. because a lot of people look at it and say, again, you gave up nine sacks, still somehow managed to win a, a playoff game. And I look at uh, the Bengals' run, you get to that Tennessee game, and as poorly as Tennessee played in that game, they still had the ball with, what, less than two minutes driving down the field, and a ball gets tipped. You could say it was Ryan Tannehill, but the ball gets tipped. And intercepted, Cincinnati gets a chance to uh, to win. Pat Mahomes, Kansas City. A lot of people think mm-hmm. going down to kick the game-winning field mm-hmm. goal. Ball gets intercepted. Cincinnati comes down, wins it in overtime. The the razor thin margin out there for Cincinnati uh, and, and getting by. And, and again, I think the one thing that says, well, maybe there's something to it, is that defense played pretty well against Kansas City. Can they do it again against a, 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 an equally good offense in the L.A. Rams? We shall see, as you said, because if that offensive line gets beaten up and the Rams are able to go out and do what they do offensively, you said, who's going to cover some of these guys? It could be a long day for Cincinnati when you become you know one-dimensional and say, hey, we're going to put it all on Joe Burrow. Well, that's proven to be a winning strategy so far. Hey, we'll just put it in our quarterback. Can't block for him? Doesn't matter. We'll figure it out. I think that's tough to try to say we're going to win a Super Bowl with a, I mean, if you get a stellar performance offensively mm-hmm. from the offensive line, I, I would change my mind. But if you get a average to below average offensive line performance, which they've been prone to have uh, this season, I don't know if that's going to get, get it done for you in the Super Bowl. Unless Joe Burrow is just that good, which a lot of people think he is, to overcome just average to below average offensive line play in the Super Bowl. Oh, Kevin, that can't, oh, I, I will say this. They've been riding the wave of being a second half team. Cincinnati is a second half team. They play their they play their best football second half. You know, obviously, uh, you know, against the Titans, play they play they and because they had beaten Kansas City, well, people don't people forget they had played Kansas City in the regular season. And Kansas City was up by the exact same amount. Exact, I think it was the exact same score going into halftime. And obviously, when you can when you can hold Patrick Mahomes to come to the three points in the second half, that's going to give you a shot to go out there and win. Problem is. You got some of arguably the greatest players at their position on the same defense. Jalen Ramsey got a chance to be an all-time great and already on that, you know, already trending that way. Aaron Donald's already a first battle Hall of Fame. Von Miller, this is his second Super Bowl, who was the Super Bowl MVP. The last time he was in the Super Bowl against the Carolina Panthers, where he was with the then Denver Broncos. You talk about a guy in Eric Weddle who was at home, but not going to be a Hall of Famer, but definitely had a very, very stellar career at his time, you know, with the Chargers and with the Ravens. I think right now, and obviously ended it with uh no, uh, with the uh, round before he uh, retired. I think, I think Kevin, it's always a game of matchups. If the if the Cincinnati offensive line can just hold up and just give Joe Burrow some time, he got weapons, man. I mean, he because we always talk about Jalen Ramsey. I don't know who the other cornerback is for the Rams, but he, we gonna know who he is on Sunday because they gonna throw at him a lot. Eric Weddle, he better he better get he better drink some uh, Gatorade. He better be ready because they gonna come <laughs> at him. Two, Joe Mixon, the running back, I think is going to be an X factor. But the thing, too, that's not being talked about, too, they're going to have to find a way to keep Joe Burrow in the pocket because Joe Burrow has shown you I can use my legs. I mean, some of those plays against Kansas City was improvised, was improvised. He, I mean, Chris Jones and those guys wasn't with, and Frank Clark and those guys, not like they weren't getting pressure on uh, Joe Burrow against Kansas, when he played against Kansas City. It's just that he was getting out of some of those things. Number 99, get his claws on you. You ain't coming out. Just ask Russell. Mm-mm. He gets his claws on you. That's it. So I do think Joe Burrow improvising. Jamar Chase gonna have to gonna have to win one on one matchups against Jalen Ramsey. Mixing and I mean uh, Higgins and company gonna have to go out there and make some plays. And Kevin, 
You got to use Mr. McPherson. You got to use that freaking kicker as a freaking weapon. Any if you get in his range, he's got to be he's got to be the Mariano Rivera, which is what they've been calling him of the Cincinnati Bengals this year. So use your kicker as a weapon. Find a way to hold up uh, and keep uh, Joe Burrow up upright. Get that running game going, and they might have a shot. Because Kevin, I'm sorry if you can't do any of those things. If one of those things don't go well. It could be a long night for them Cincinnati yeah, Bengals. It certainly could. And you talk about the the moment uh, as well. How much do you think it matters that I mean Matthew Stafford hasn't been there, but at least some of these guys on the Rams have been in a Super Bowl before. Versus, I mean, if you've been around Cincinnati up until recently, that was a losing culture, right? I mean, you talk about this all the time. You get if you have a losing culture, you're gonna have a losing team. Mm-hmm. Well, for thirty years, they were a losing culture for the most part. What I think. Uh, was it Lovey Smith was there with Cincinnati? They he was there for a long time, and, and that was the mark against him. It was like, you had Andy Dalton all that? You won one playoff game, or he went to one playoffs one time in that whole time. Didn't win a playoff game. Finally, a 30-year streak gets broken. What is Cincinnati feeling heading into this game, knowing that guys who've been around that team a long time, like that has not been where success goes to thrive. <laughs> I mean, that up until this year, it has been – Man, if this team could make the playoffs, that would be something. Not, hey, we have Super Bowl aspirations. Now they're here. How do you think that factors in at all with you're in the big game versus a team who a lot of those guys were just there a couple years ago? It helps out a lot because, Kevin, you you understand the situation. Von Miller obviously wasn't on the team, but played in the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl, so you got Super Bowl experience. If you are Aaron Donald, said, look, man, I don't want to go through that again. Like, People always ask, do you rather lose in the Super Bowl or lose before the Super Bowl? I'd rather lose before. I don't want I don't want to lose in the, in the biggest game ever. Because, Kevin, like you said, you might not get back. The, the confetti the, the confetti of the other team is coming down. Guys doing the confetti angels you know, on the <laughs> yeah. freaking field. It's good to have guys that have been there. Sean McVay under a lot of pressure. I remember when he got hired. People were like, man, young guru, you know, uh, office of mine. You see what he did? Uh, you know, uh, when he had Jared Goff, and people said, "Man, he get the right quarterback in here, man." He, yeah, you know, and famously, uh, what three points and, and, in the Super Bowl? And, right, and, three and, points. I was yeah, and, and this is the crazy part about it too. When they went to the Super Bowl the first time, Cooper Cup was hurt. Cooper Cup actually not playing it. So now you see what you see what a difference you know a couple of years make with a guy like Cooper Cup. But yeah, Kevin, having some guys that's been there before, having guys with legacies on the line, like like uh, like Jalen Ramsey, uh, you know, like Aaron Donald, like Eric Weddle, like Sean McVay. Like Matthew Stafford, you have a lot of guys for whom saying, look, man, this might be it for us. This notion of, oh, we'll be back. Well, that's not true because certain teams, I mean, here's the thought. When Joe Flacco and the Ravens went to the Super Bowl, had they been back since and they got Lamar Jackson? Nope, because it's all, yeah, because you got Patrick Mahomes, you got Josh Allen, you got Aaron Rodgers, you, know, you got certain guys in your division. So I do agree, Kevin, having guys that's been there before definitely makes it, it doesn't take the pressure off, but guys are saying, look, man, this is a business trip, man. We can we can laugh and kiki after because if you lose, I mean, look at what it does to a career, to a psyche. Look what it does to an organization. You know, if you do lose, so I I, I just think that uh, it's a lot of it's a lot of different storylines on the line. But we we'll we'll see what happens. But I I think it makes the game that much more intriguing. And I think that's what we talked about a lot. Where you say, oh well, with Joe Burrow, Cincinnati will be back. Well, what about those guys, uh, Ben, who are there with? As you said, St. Louis who were there a few years ago. They scored three points in the Super Bowl, and you go and you go, man, we got to climb that hill again to try to get back. And, and they Tom, had Todd and Tom, Gurley and Tom, on and Tom that Tom Brady team. makes it look like it was easy just to get to, to Super Bowls, but as a player, how difficult is that, do you think, to continue to climb the hill? Because you talked about it. Say, look, I've been on some hard-working teams. We put in a lot of hard work. 
one went to the playoffs one time. Mm-hmm. Winning now an extra round added to the playoffs. But getting to this point, how much effort and energy goes into getting to this point? And if you lose it again, you're like, man, how much do you – I mean, and, and people know it's not just as simple as like, well, we'll get them next year. In some cases, you played three, four more games than everybody else in the league. That starts to add up. So, I, I, again, there is pressure on certain guys to say, look, we got here again. You know, our, we can't all climb the hill ten times like, like, like Tom Brady uh, did during his career. You got to make the most of those opportunities when you get there. You do. And the one thing that uh, can't be stressed enough is athletes are people, man. They're human. That human aspect of things, that 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 aspect of, hey, man, it's hard. Because the, the belief system got to start within yourself first, and it resonates with your teammates, and it resonates with the team, and it resonates with the culture. You keep on losing. You start saying, dude, yeah, but is it going to be the same old, same old? It's, if you're – if you're Donovan McNabb and it took you, you know, and you done played in the NFC Championship game all these years, at a certain point you think it's gonna be the same. And they finally got over the hump, but then they finally make it to the Super Bowl. You beat New England, so like, man, I finally got here. Or Buffalo Bills, how many times you lose in the Super Bowl to say, dude, like, is this is this the year? But when you win it, that resonates. That makes everything. Zach Taylor says that makes everything. Uh, you know what, Joe Burrows? Because Kevin, you know how it is. Everybody has. Listen, there's nothing wrong with having a winning mentality. There's nothing wrong with trying to build a championship culture. But you know what makes a championship culture come to the forefront? Winning the thing. Because now it's it's like Kirby Smart. They gave him all these resources. It finally paid off in year six, right? So now he gets more resources, see? Okay, he got it done. But if I'm giving you resources and I'm not getting that, you know, return on, on investment, man, it sounds like a lot of lip service. And I know, unfortunately, it came but one team win it out of 32. So we'll see what happens. But, yes, if you are Matthew Stafford, the Boo Birds, they can't wait. If you lose, they're gonna say, "See, he do all this." So, but if you win, look, look at what look look, uh, look what it can uh, potentially do for your legacy. Yeah, absolutely, we've got more to come here on Three and Out. Bill Connolly, ESPN.com, will join us later this hour. When we return, Chris Rim, AtlantaFalcons.com, will join us next. Here it's Three and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Here, Three and Out on this Wednesday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. So much to get to here on the program. The Atlanta Falcons here in. The offseason, as we sit back watching the Rams and the Bengals in the Super Bowl, we're wondering what the Falcons are going to do here moving forward. Joining us here from AtlantaFalcons.com and co-host of the Liberty Justice and Ball podcast, Chris Rim joins us here on 3 and Out. Chris, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Uh, We're doing fantastic. Uh, What can you tell us about the Falcons here in the offseason? So much has been, uh, you know, last year it was, well, you had – Julio Jones and Matt Ryan. Who? How are you going to make a decision there? They chose Matt Ryan, and now it seems to be, what's your long term future with Matt Ryan? Is it one more year and done? What do you think the Falcons' kind of thought on that is heading into this offseason? Because it seems like obviously the roster and what you think about this team moving forward all hinges on whether or not you think Matt Ryan's going to be there for more than one more year or not. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think I think the Falcons, for one, I think you know the. Matt's salary cap, the the hit that comes with that plays a role into whether, you know, obviously if they want to move on from him. But I think in terms of Matt, I think, you know, honestly, I think the Falcons really like him. And I think although, you know, numbers-wise, this season may have looked like a down year, obviously anyone who watched the team in 2021 could tell you that his numbers don't tell the entire story. Obviously he wasn't perfect, but I, it was the first time in his career where he didn't have that, you know, Roddy, uh, Julio, Calvin guy, uh, Russ was had struggled in the first half of the season, battled injury. So I think 
next year would be more fair of a year to evaluate him once you see what you know if Calvin's back and what happens with the with the wide receiving core and everything like that. Um, not to mention when you look at the division, the NFC South, so much has changed since the season has ended, right? You know, the the Falcons could say, and I think most people would agree that they they might have starting next year, they might have the best quarterback in the division. So, I think however you feel about the situation, I think the Falcons like him and building around him would be best for their situation right now anyway, looking forward to the future, if that makes sense. And, Chris, I mean, I, I couldn't agree with you more when you're talking about having the – not arguably, you have the best quarterback in the division. You know, I know you got a story up talking about Cordell Patterson and how his uh, him really, really wanting to be a Falcon next year. Bring back a Cordell Patterson. You address certain things in the draft. You know, you don't have to get a receiver. Could we be talking about the Falcons potentially competing for the NFC South next year? I, I, th- I, th- I think so. I, I really do think so. It obviously, it depends that the Buccaneers uh, are the, have been the standard for the past two years. And I think, you know, as we know, largely because when Brady came there, a lot of players also came. Not, not only were the Bucks already a solid team, kind of a quarterback away, but a bunch of players came kind of with Brady because of Brady. And now they have 19 free agents, including, you know, Nadamikin Sue and, and Gronk and Fournette and Chris Godwin. So that looked like a completely different team. And then who's going to play quarterback? And then you look at the Saints, the, their cap situation. Are the Saints in a situation where they're going to decide to get out of the, 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 debt, the cap debt that they're in? Or are they going to decide to, you know, just move forward and, and, and move with it? Regardless, they have big questions at the quarterback. Who are they going to have and how are they going to, you know, pay whoever they do have? At quarterback and the Panthers who finished behind the Falcons also have big big questions at, at the quarterback position. So I think the, the right now, as it stands, the, the division seems like it's wide open. I think most people could agree when they say that. So I think the I think at the least the Falcons should be looking at the NFC South next year uh, way differently than they looked at it coming into this year. I think like you said, I think it's definitely a winnable a winnable division. Chris, you look at uh, some of the questions you mentioned, uh, Calvin Ridley. Does the team even know uh, where they stand uh, with Calvin Ridley? And at what point do they sit back in their evaluation and say, we have to assume he's not going to be back? Yeah, well, well I think as uh, I think I think Terry and Arthur have done a great job at the language they've used around Calvin's situation because, you know, mental ch- checking in on your mental well-being. I think some people oftentimes don't see uh, those things as an injury. Um, you know, it's 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 similar to you know a broken bone or or a, a pulled groin, you know, all, all of the above. Uh, but it's something that you can't see, right? So it takes time for that for you to get back to to you know where you need to be. And I think they were they are still you know giving him the space he needs to you know fig, figure out his situation. So I would say with that, I'm I'm not really sure of the whole situation. I think what I know from that situation is, is what they said, and that there there hasn't really been an update. But I think the way they've handled the situation has, has been positive with, with Grace. So I'm, I'm not sure. I, I think what I know is kind of what they've been saying. But, you know, there, there are reports elsewhere. But I know what they've said. That's kind of all I know. Chris, I mean, obviously, when you think about this Falcons team, still able to go out there and, you know, be you know, somewhat competitive when you know you had like a, a very, very like, a, you know, a different type of roster, if you, so to speak. What what is something they're gonna have to do this offseason, whether it be the draft or the offseason, to kind of let Matty Ice know that look, man, we're gonna give you the best chance these last couple of years to compete at least in the NFC South to hopefully make it back to the playoffs. 
I mean, I think I think that they not only have to convince you know Matty Ice, but I think they also have to convince Grady, uh, Grady Jarrett, because I think those are the two guys on the, on both sides of the ball. Obviously, Grady hasn't been there as long, but but these guys have been you know foundational pieces on both sides of the ball. And this year, Grady's numbers were down, just like Matt's were down. But like with Matt, that's because Grady saw all attention uh, and is mic'd up. He was triple teamed in the Lions game, the Falcons. Um, you know, the, the Falcons struggled to get to the quarterback last in the league and sacks by by a lot. So I think to to give, like you said, Matty Ice and also those other vets like Grady um, a sign that they, you know, are looking to win and move in the right direction, I think it's fortifying that that defensive line, trying to get that edge rusher, whether it be in the draft, draft whether it be in free agency, trying to, piece together another or piece together that offensive line outside of Lindstrom and Matthews, me bringing in some competition here and there to try to solidify that line. And then, yeah, uh, bringing in, keep you know, whether you're keeping Gage or making sure you still, you know, Matt has that receiving core um, that he's had his entire career. I think those are, those are the biggest things. I say edge rush. I would say both, both offense of the trenches and the wide receiving core would be the biggest thing that I think the Falcons have to shore up to, to show their vets that, you know, we're committed to winning. Chris Rim, AtlantaFalcons.com, joining us. Chris, your latest piece about Corderell Patterson, how he's really been widely outspoken about how much he wants to stay there in Atlanta. Right now, how badly do the Atlanta Falcons need to make that happen? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. You know, running backs are, are a tricky thing, right? You know, people yeah, – and Corderell Patterson is, you know, a unique – I'm not sure if, if there's any comparable situation to where a 31-year-old – player is in what his first or second season really playing really first season really playing the position full-time running back position and he's had the best year of his career um so so you have to think that the Falcons are wondering you know is this lightning in the bottle is this the flash in the pan kind of year um and then also you see you know people are able to find productivity from the running back position in the draft that'll come a lot cheaper than you know cp might come um, so I think I think the biggest question for the for the Falcons is do they think that this year was a one year wonder? If they do, then maybe you look elsewhere. If they don't, plus CP, plus you have a guy who really wants to be in Atlanta, who fans really love, who is productive this year, not only as a running back but also as a wide receiver. And if he wants to come back as much as he says he wants to come back, maybe he'll come back on a deal that is team friendly that that the Falcons can make work. So I think that's the biggest question here. Do the Falcons think that he can replicate that season again, and that'll determine, you know, bringing him back or not? Chris, man, I know you. I know you talk a lot about different things when you talk about the National Football League. One being when you talk about these uh, black head coaches and uh, their opportunities. Obviously, the, the Falcons have a black uh, GM, a Terry Fontenot. You look at the situation that happened with Robert Flores, Lovey Smith now as a head coach, Mike McDaniel's now as a head coach in this last coaching cycle. How do you think we are right now in the National Football League as far as like black, you know, black head coach? Well. Potential uh, black assistant coaches getting black head coaching jobs, or do you think the Rooney Rule is just you know more more or less window service? Yeah, I think I think again, I think the I think the NFL and the league um, is you know has tried to to make you know good tried to make strides in that in that department you know with the with the implementing the rule and you know even the Falcons quarterback coach Charles London just interviewed for an offensive coordinator position, but you know as we've seen. Um, you know, even with this recent cycle, you know, there's still a ways to go. Um, and I think um, it was good to see um, what, what was reported from the, the release that, you know, that the NFL sent to the, I think the commissioner sent to the 32 teams. It was good to see, you know, him being honest about the situation, 
um, and also that he's not satisfied with where things are right now. So yeah, I think like you said, that, you know, there's a lot, there's a there's room, a room, a lot of sorry, there's a lot of ways to go here. Chris Rim, AtlantaFalcons.com, our guest here on Three and Out. Chris, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, y'all. Chris Rim, our guest here on Three and Out, looking at the Atlanta Falcons. And again, what do you think about Matt Ryan? What are your thoughts on Coriel Patterson? He said a lot of things are digesting here heading into the offseason. We'll step aside. We'll come back. Bill Connolly, ESPN.com, will join us when we return. It's Three and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here, Three and Out, on this Wednesday, Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop here with you. BJ Bennett back with us uh, tomorrow on the program, but we're glad you're making us a part of your day. College football never, not in the news. Uh, as we uh, move forward here, uh, Bill Connolly set to join us from ESPN.com. He's got his SP Plus uh, preseason projections out there. We'll let him explain a little bit uh, about that as well as we get ready to move into spring ball and, of course, the way too early uh, projections. But we have, we have uh, Bill Connolly. Uh, ESPN.com. He joins us here on Three and Out. Bill, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Hey, we're doing uh, doing fantastic. I know you've got the SP Plus uh, preseason projections out uh, there for 2022 college football. Tell folks who may not be totally familiar with how you come, just kind of a, a thousand foot view, if you will, of uh, how you come up with the, with the SP Plus and what it really is trying to measure there. Well, Generally speaking, the, I mean, the SP Plus ratings during the season, it's an attempt to measure the just the sustainable aspects of the sport. The, the more uh, the, the efficiency pieces, it's opponent-adjusted, it's tempo-adjusted. Uh, it's a predictive measure. It's not a resume ranking. And, and so that's the goal in season. Out of season, it's just about taking the, all the factors we know of, recruiting rankings and returning production and recent history, and uh, projecting how the fall will go. So, uh, yeah, this, this – uh, this release that came out today was the, the initial projections, and then I'll have a, a, you know updated projections in August. I mean, Bill, most of the time, when, you know, when I see these projections, obviously you're going to see the usual suspects at the top. Is there a team uh, this year in 2022 that might not be top five, top ten in recruiting rankings, might have some seniors coming back that might not be the most notable nationally, that might be able to, I don't know, uh, kind of be a party crashes this year in 2022? feels like last year was a better year for party crashers than this year. And, of course, last year we didn't really have, like, you know, it was Alabama, Georgia, and everybody else. But I am very curious this year. I mean, there are certainly some, you know, uh, Wisconsin is always kind of on the borderline. that You know, they'll be good, but they, you know, there are a couple pieces of being away from, uh, away from being great. I'm really curious about teams like Tennessee and Mississippi State in the SEC, maybe Pitt and NC State in the ACC. Uh, obviously, Pitt came reasonably close last year as well, but those are those are interesting teams, very high upside teams that I don't know if they can compete with Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, but they could probably compete with just about everybody else. And, and you look at uh, this as well, and how much of this projection become resources uh, as we just came through recruiting? I know that's some of uh, what you base the, uh, the the projections on, but it seems like the teams with the resources are going to be doing the best. Uh, obviously, in terms of NIL money and other ways to make sure they keep talent there in, on campus. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the name of the game in college football, and a lot of sports for that matter, but especially college football. It is, um, I mean, you look at the actual numbers involved with the SP Plus projections. I mean, you've got Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama at the top. There's a six-point drop to anybody else, to number four, Michigan. Uh, and the, the, it's the same distance between number three and four as it is between number four and, like, number 17. So it really is... 
you know, it, it's very clear who starts out ahead. Now, I mean, last year we saw Ohio State, it didn't take much to knock them out. It was a couple bad games against particularly physical teams. And so, you know, one game, losses will happen, upsets will happen. But we know who starts out at, at the top of the pack. Cincinnati was able to, you know, uh, you know, do something not just for them, but, you know, you're talking about teams uh, that doesn't get the, you know, the exposure that they get or doesn't necessarily have the resume, even though they did beat uh, Notre Dame last year. Is there a team like that this year? Maybe like a, a mid-major team and maybe not a, a P5 conference that people are saying, hey, man, I mean, Cincinnati did what UCF wasn't able to do, but is there a team like that this year, Bill, that say, oh, you're not Georgia, you're not Alabama, but nobody is. Is there a second-tier team like that? Well, Cincinnati's done a really good job, I think, of replacing some of the, the best guys they lost, of using the portal to help them out. I'm not sure they'll have the, the secondary they had last year, but honestly, this probably starts with Cincinnati again. After that, I'm really very, very intrigued with BYU. They uh, lost a ton from 20 to 21, but they still won 10 games. Now they have some of the best returning production numbers in the country, and, and they're going to have a chance. You know, Obviously, they've got Notre Dame. They've got uh, Baylor on the schedule but they're going to have at least a chance at every single game they play. If they get to 12-0 with a decent strength of schedule, I'm curious what happens. Bill Connolly joining us here on 3 and Out, and you talk about those mid-major programs. Have we seen more access? Obviously, is Cincinnati kind of broken through the ceiling, or is Cincinnati a, as you said, kind of watch BYU? Is Cincinnati the blueprint now, or are they kind of the flash-in-the-pan team that got given the chance because some of the other teams fell out of the way? Well, they, I mean, they earned their chance for sure. The Notre Dame win and, um, you know, just uh, they, on paper, even adjusting for opponent, they were one of the five best teams in the country last year. I am very curious, though, if we see, yeah, well, Cincinnati even or, or a Houston or a UCF, maybe BYU as well, if one of these teams does reach 13-0, and 0, you know, the committee until this last year when they really had no choice because all the other conference champions had two losses, I, the committee showed no interest whatsoever in putting one of these teams in, but I'm curious since Cincinnati, you know, did well during the season. And honestly, I mean, they they had they played Alabama better than Michigan played Georgia in the in the playoffs. So I mean, it, it's not like they embarrassed themselves by any means. I am curious if it changes the perception, or if we're just going to go right back to you know, you know, you got to do it for two years in a row. You got to do this and that, and keep moving the goalposts on the next good G5 team as well. I see that you're in favor of the ACC, uh, you know, uh, trying to uh, move move away from divisions. How close are we are to hopefully every, uh, you know, conference, P5 or G5 conference moving away from division? And how much better do you think it makes for teams who, do, who aren't usually, you know, the upper echelon teams in those divisions? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly um, in an era when we seem to be moving toward a 12-team playoff and you want to make sure that your conference champion is really good and gets one of those four buys. It makes a lot more sense because it eliminates a situation where a team from a really, you know, weak division gets into the conference title game at eight and five or something, uh, and pulls an upset, and, and your conference champion barely gets into the playoff or whatever the situation ends up being that way. But um, it, it just it, it makes a lot more sense, especially for the ACC. The ACC is not even geographic. You know, it was they drew up divisions a long time ago to get FSU and Miami in the conference title game every year. It hasn't happened even once that they played each other in the conference title game. And while all these okay coastal programs have alternated who wins, you know, NC State and Pitt, or not Pitt, uh, Wake Forest and Louisville and all these teams have just been kind of stuck behind Clemson for most of the last almost decade now. And it just does, it never made any sense for the ACC. And it, I, I'm happy to see that they're the ones kind of 
maybe leading the way. And once once one conference does it, I think we know how this works. A lot of other conferences might be close behind. Uh, certainly. Obviously, the SEC at some point moving to uh, add Texas and Oklahoma is going to have to probably ditch divisions yeah. uh, as well. Uh, Bill, finally, before we let you go, we've seen a lot of uh, high-profile coaches move around to change jobs. Who do you think has the most chance for early success uh, right out of the gate? Well, I think Brent Venables at Oklahoma. This feels like a boring answer, but I think Brent Venables at Oklahoma – well, you know, th- there's a lot of turnover there, but the Big 12 is, it, is itself going through a lot of turnover. Baylor and Oklahoma State lose a ton of pieces. Iowa State loses a ton of pieces. So if they can just play at a top-10 level, they'll probably be in really good shape to, to win the conference again. So that's, that's not an exciting answer, but I figure it's the best odds. And, Bill, I mean, obviously when you look at the, when you look at the SEC, you got some, you know, big names coming over to the SEC. I mean, you got Brian Kelly at LSU. You talk about Billy Napier. And Florida, which one of those guys are going to have to show and prove uh, here in 2022, even if they are going through a rebuild? Yeah, I think maybe Florida starts out a little bit ahead just because LSU has been mediocre for two straight years. Florida was pretty good until about halfway through last season. So obviously they both have a ton of turnover, a ton of issues to take care of, but maybe Florida starts out ahead here. Bill Connolly, ESPN.com, our guest here on 3 and Out. Bill, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Always enjoy talking with Bill. College football always uh, in the news there as well. And again, uh, some of the things with uh, his projections has Ohio State up top. It'll be interesting to see, as as we said, I think how does that BYU, some of those programs like Cincinnati and others continue to fight for a spot to get into playoff year after year after year, uh, or with Cincinnati really a breakthrough moment for those type football teams. I mean, Kevin, we'll see, right? I mean, because the thing about it is that if you are, if you are, uh, you know, I know Kellen Moore right now is the uh, offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. He was like, well, my goodness, man, we was winning every game, you know, uh, but, you know, back when he was in college. You talk about BYU when they had Zach Wilson. You talk about, you know, uh, you talk about UCF when they had, ta- you know, uh, Taylor Gabriel and those different guys going out and getting it done. You talk about, and maybe it was finally Cincinnati saying, look, man, uh, somebody they're gonna have to do it for somebody. But something you said, Kevin, it's not like everybody was undefeated around them. If it was any other undefeated teams around them, and they couldn't, Oklahoma, thank thank you, because if Oklahoma could have gotten in, they would have put them in. But it's college football, Kevin. It's crazy. He said, "Yeah, man, Alabama, Georgia, then it's like a six point drop." I don't know what that means, but I need all the points I could when I was in school. I could don't take no six points from me. I needed every last one of them. <laughs> we will see what happens. But I think, Kevin, you look at the resources. You talked about it. You look at the coaches. You look at recruiting, you look at facilities, you look at results, and, I'm sorry, you look at conferences, you're going to have to prove to me that teams not named Georgia, Alabama, Texas A&M, not named Oklahoma, you know, USC is going to be beaten because even if those other teams, before you can do anything, you got to win the perception battle. You're not going to beat those teams the perception battle because now Georgia is really the national champion, the defending national champions, and Alabama is the defending SEC champions. And Venables is no longer in Clemson. And freaking, uh, you know, Lincoln Riders at USC. We'll see what happens. But Cincinnati, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, Ritter and those guys, you guys did it when you had to do it. My Jay Sanders and those guys. Because, Kevin, it might be a long time for, before that happens again. Well, we've got more to come here. Three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. We're also streaming live at ESPNCoastal.com and online at Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Good to have you here, three and out on this Wednesday. Kevin Thomas and Ben Troop will get to take three right around the corner. Jermichael Finley, former Texas tight end, Super Bowl winning tight end with the Green Bay Packers. He'll join us. We'll talk Super Bowl with him coming up. And in the final hour, Maurice Claret uh, going to join us. Also some uh, potential 
complaints. I think it's the official legalese of it that could impact the NCAA and student-athletes. And are they employees? We'll get to that coming up in just a, a little bit on the show as well. But don't forget, we've got our Valentine's Day uh, giveaway coming up on Friday. You've got a chance to register to win right now. 912-342-7184. 912-342-7184. Call right now. Get yourself registered in uh, for a chance to win our Valentine's Day package, which two nights stay at the Weston on Jekyll Island and a uh, package at the Milan Day Spa there in Savannah. Really, really cool stuff. Call now, 912-342-7184. And again, come through, have a uh, come look like a hero uh, there for Valentine's Day. Yeah, Kevin. I mean, I told you, it's a, it's the, it's a Valentine's swag pack. I mean, we, you know, uh, we're going to be giving away, obviously, until uh, – until our Valentine's Day, fellas, you can't mess this up. I mean, I, I, think, I, I think I think sometimes Kevin, we get caught. I mean, look, the the, the my daddies of the world, the the the, the flowers, the candy, the the, the bears. The, you you walking in the store, you are gonna see it. <laughs> but if you go, hey, you walk in with nothing, and she said, what you got? How about a, how about a two night stay at the West Island as well as a, as well as a massage? She's gonna be like this. Where'd you get it from? Three and out. <laughs> that's, that, 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 that's when you where think I got of from. romance, yeah. <laughs> think of Kevin Thomas's face. If listen, that doesn't put your significant other in the in the mood for romance, I don't know what will. Listen, at the end of the day, I don't know. I don't know if Mrs. Kevin Thomas is thinking it, <laughs> but at the end of the day, Kevin's like, listen, I'm giving y'all the swag pack. This is about the. This all I got is a you know a two nights at the Western and a massage. If you if you if you, can, if you want more than that, hey, because that's about as good as it's gonna be. Yeah, nothing says romance like this voice right here. <laughs> welcome to three and out. Welcome, welcome to the midnight store. Oh, if I was gonna hit, welcome to three and out. <laughs> How Kevin, you doing? Listen, Kevin already got himself in trouble the last time we did this. He's going to go home today again. Every, like, what you mean, think of you? What you talking about? Yeah, every time I talk romance, I get a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> so I, don't what, I don't know what it is. Like, uh, hey, hey, happens. Why are you ta- Welcome to 3 and Out, girl. Hey, this is Kevin Thomas and Ben True. <laughs> We're trying to hook you up. How about a nice two-night stay Come at the on. Westin? And I'm, I'm just like, uh, I'm just uh, a whisper, hey, how about a nice spa day? I Make mean, you massages, not- you know, you know, massages, hotel stays. It doesn't get much. That listen, that sounds like a good day in general, let alone on the fourteenth of uh of uh, February. But there hey, you go. Call in, man. You know what I'm saying? I mean, at the end now, one two three four two seven one eight four. When you think, when you think of romance, <laughs> think of Kevin Thomas. Give us a call nine one two three four two seven one eight four. But no, we're going to give that away on Friday, but you got to be registered for your chance to win, and you can do that uh, right now and uh, give us a shout. we got so much to get to here on the show. Ben will take three right around the corner. Also, Jermichael Finley, uh, we'll talk about that. I mean, certainly the role of tight ends all throughout the league has changed, but uh, you see different guys that have created matchup problems. What, what kind of a role is that going to play in the Super Bowl? L.A. at home, how big of a deal is that? We'll talk to uh, the former Super Bowl winning tight end, with the Green Bay Packers coming up in our number two. So stick with us. Oh, we still got another minute. I don't know where I'm going, but we still, uh, but he's coming up in, uh, in our number, uh, on, in our number two. Yeah, Jerry Michael is one of those guys. He was definitely ahead of his time, Kevin. I remember him when he came out of Texas. I mean, obviously injuries kind of, uh, you know, hindered his career. But yes, I mean, I think he was injured on that Super Bowl team, but had a lot to do during that season. And we get to talk to him about, hey, man, playing with Aaron Rodgers, man, uh, winning, helping Aaron Rodgers, you know, kind of, you know, Helping win is one and only Super Bowl. But, yeah, Jeremiah Finley representing the great, you know, uh, the great uh, tradition at Texas. If you don't know Texas, they love their Longhorns. He got that super-duper with Aaron Rodgers. We'll be talking to him in the second hour. Looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, again, going to have a lot of fun with that. Maurice Claret in the final hour 
of the program. Really looking forward to talking with him. Certainly as a guy, when you talk name, image, likeness, he was the guy that pushed the envelope to, hey, why can't I go to the NFL after one year of being out of high school? We'll talk to him about all of that and more coming up in the top of the final hour. You don't want to miss that. It's three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio. Good to have you back here, three and out. On this Wednesday, Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop here with you. BJ Bennett will be back with us uh, tomorrow here on the show. But glad you're making us a part of your day still to come this hour. Jermichael Finley going to join us, former Green Bay Packers tight end, Super Bowl champion. Green Bay Packers tight end will join us. We'll talk some Super Bowl with him here on the program as well. But first, let's take three here on three and out, shall we, on this Wednesday afternoon. All right, Ben, take one. The ACC, you mentioned it a little bit uh, earlier on the show with Bill Connolly, the ACC is moving towards eliminating divisions in the near future for college football. Again, that's the only sport in which they have divisions. Everybody else just plays out a schedule, and you, you get to a tournament, and you crown a champion. Is this a good thing, and is this the inevitable wave of, of college football? It's a great thing. Because, Kevin, you know just like I know. If you are if you're in either, either one of these divisions, you think to yourself, okay, man, I mean, but... Why do we need divisions? It's either the ACC or it's not. And I understand that the ACC has more. The ACC serpent than the SEC. It's more big cities. I mean, Miami, Atlanta, you know, Charlottesville, you know, Boston. But the best two teams should be, should be. listen, we play each other in the regular season. Whoever has the best record, we should be able to go out there and meet each other, you know, uh, in Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte to, uh, you know, make the best man win. I think sometimes – Kevin, I mean, what happens is if we are recent, if we are a recency bias type, uh, you know, on Lucas, we think, oh, it's been Clemson all this time. No, no, no. And I and I hate to say this, but and people don't got to like it. Clemson had an LSU run. Clemson started balling everybody. Oh, they no, they have not been here. This came out of nowhere. And obviously, you know, I mean, Dabo Sweeney took him a while to build, but I mean, the Georgia Techs, the Miamis, the the, the Dukes of the world, the Virginia Techs of the world. I mean, the the NC States of the world. Last year was kind of like a more of a barometer, even though it was Wake and, you know, Pitt. Let the best two teams go out there and duke it out. Don't let it be, oh, man, we got to, we got to win our side. No, 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 no. I got to win as many games. And it'll make scheduling a little bit more, a little bit different. I mean, Georgia Tech's schedule, good good Lord. I mean, I, I don't know what Jeff Collins did to get that type of schedule. So, to me, yes, I think the Vigils has always been crazy to me because it's almost like saying, oh, man, you know, I mean, the Coastal is better than, you know, Atlanta. You know? No, dude, just let them go out there and play. It makes recruiting better, too, for those people who – because Duke, let's face it, you know why you never hear about Duke and recruiting? Because they're a basketball school. And what happens is, you know, Duke, just like a Georgia Tech, the academic side of things is rough. So, yeah, go ahead and get rid of divisions. Make it a little bit more even because I'm telling you, the last thing the Clemsons, the Miamis, the Florida States of the world wanted to be is even. Let recruiting be even. Let it be the ACC as a whole. Don't let it be broken down, you know, chopped down the center. Who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? Let it be a free-for-all, Kevin. And, and maybe just maybe the competition, like you said, Kevin, it shouldn't be a whole bunch of undefeated teams if the if the divisions are taken away because you got better competition. Here were the divisions. You never, ever really needed them anyway. Yeah, look, I think divisions work all right. I mean, in the, in the NFL, they're small divisions. Yeah. Major League Baseball, obviously you're playing an inordinate amount of games against your division, and after 162 games, you're playing mostly against the division. It helps to narrow down who the best teams in, in Major League Baseball are. But I think in college football where you play 12 games, especially when you're talking about uh, an unequal non-conference schedule. Like in the NFL, hypothetically, Ben, you're all playing kind of the same schedule, right? I mean, yeah. the NFC South 
are matched up against other divisions. So everybody in the NFC South plays the same teams yes. in, in their non, non-divisional non play. Yes. So, so t- for, from that standpoint, you're kind of playing the same schedule somewhat. College football, obviously you don't do that. I can go out and schedule Notre Dame. Ben can go out and schedule Southwest Missouri State. And one gets a dub. I get a dub, maybe I get a loss. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. it, but but it all mm-hmm. kind of looks the same. I think, especially in college football, we're talking about uh, divisions that can get lopsided. I think for years it was fun in the coastal uh, during that run of uh, the Atlantic Division, where it was Clemson, 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 and then on the other side you had seven straight years, seven different winners. Everybody in the coastal won the division in a different year for seven straight years. That's parity. Not so much on the other side. Maybe there were some good teams. Uh, on the other side, maybe it was an NC State who would have been the second best team. Maybe it was a Florida State who would have been the second best team behind Clemson and wouldn't have played because a, a parity-driven side like the Coastal, everybody's sitting over there with four losses, and you're going, well, what kind of matchup am I getting? Same thing in the SEC. Now, I know Georgia's been good, uh, Ben. I know Florida's had their, their time when they were good. But by and large, outside of those two teams for the last decade— the other, the, those, the rest of those teams have been on a uh, on a come up mission where they're trying to, to get to uh, consistent competitiveness. On the other side, you've literally had teams play for the national championship and not go to the SEC championship game because they finished second in the West. And how do you get rid of that? I, I think you go and get rid of divisions, and you just simply have the two best teams. Now this year, in the SEC, guess what? Georgia and Alabama still would have played for the SEC championship. So I don't think it's all bad. And again, I think uh, you look at the ACC, who, when it was first put together with divisions, been tried to rig up what the championship game was going to be. It's like, oh, wow, Florida State and Miami every year. No, that's not what it's supposed to be. Give me the two best teams. I think getting rid of divisions is a good thing. I would also say, in conjunction with that, go to nine conference games. Uh, get rid of divisions, go to nine conference games, and play each other more often. Especially with the SEC, we're going to add two more teams. And right now, with divisions... What, Georgia goes, what, nearly a decade without playing Texas A&M? Yeah. Or nearly a decade without playing a team like Arkansas uh, or something after they just played them here uh, recently? So that that doesn't lead to good rivalry matchups when you don't play each other very often. Get rid of divisions. Have a couple commons. Round robin the rest. And uh, go to nine conference games. I think it's a good idea. Speaking of changing things up, Roger Goodell kind of having his state of the NFL presser today at the Super Bowl. Ben, he said the NFL in 2022 is going to hold... Regular season games in London, knew that. Mexico City, which they've done before. Mm -hmm. And this year, going to add Germany in. So you'll have London, Mexico City, and Germany, uh, Munich, Germany, all hosting regular season NFL football games. I know they're trying to grow the brand, but is this a good idea? Uh, I think it is a good idea because I think when you think about football overseas, Kevin, it's going to be really, really hard. They tried NFL Europe, right? It fell through. And they're just experimenting. When you see how big uh, – uh, and football is not in the Olympics either. So how do I grow the game internationally without having to get individual guys going there to try to do, you know, uh, you know, a, a football clinics? I just have teams go over there. Now, it's going to be interesting to see what teams go because usually, Kevin, the teams that go over there aren't usually, you know, the marquee, marquee type uh, teams. I mean, you're going to get the Browns. You're going to get, you know, uh, Detroit. You're going to get the Jags. You know, you're going to get the Texans. Is it going to be, you know, Green Bay? Uh, is it going to be Kansas City? Is it going to be Cincinnati? Is it going to be uh, – but I, I I will say this. Roger Goodell is just a – he's just a messenger. He go and he meets and look, Mexico City, got it. London, got it. Germany. Wait, 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 what? Germany. Now, 
I want to see how many times the Jags going to do it. Because, you know, Chad Khan, go, look, we'll, we'll go to all three of them. No shot. Can't go to Mexico City and Germany and London. But give the uh, give the NFL a lot of credit. They understand, Brandon. They understand, too, Tom Brady's leaving. So you don't got that that recognizable face globally anymore. Now it's, who is the Joe Burrow guy? Johnny come lately. Uh, I've seen the guy with the, the, the Mohawk guy. What is it? Oh, that's Pat Mahomes. Okay. Who is it? Who is Justin Herbert? Who is Kyler Murray? You know, so the, so the, the face, and I, you notice I'm saying quarterbacks, they are the faces. Got to kind of get them out there on the international, because what happens is, internationally, you start growing. Fan. I give you Cristiano Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo does not play in the States. He has 400 million followers on social media. And I think sometimes, Kevin, you say to yourself, hey, man, how do we grow this game without How do we grow this game without having to put more money in it? Because NFL Europe was a – they didn't make any money. And let's face it, no one watched. I mean, no one watched NFL Europe. So I do think, Kevin, but I would say this. Are we going to get to a point to where – Every team in the NFL has to go up. Like, like you're going to have 17? Because usually when they play it, the next week is their off week. Kevin, remember, listen, I, just, I, I give you the draft. The draft used to be two days. First, second, and third round right. the first day. Four, five, six, and seven. Now it's two, <laughs> now it's two days or three days or whatever it is. So yeah. I just think that pretty soon it's going to be whole week. I mean, we got the first round on Monday and goes out. So we'll see what happens, Kevin. But I, I just think that the NFL knows that. Every time you see one of these teams overseas, I mean, teams overseas, you got every jersey over there represented. I just think that Tom Brady, who probably ain't never been overseas, not playing no football, <laughs> uh, it's probably you know you, you know you're gonna be going through a void. But I do understand. I do understand the branding aspect of it. Are the Jags gonna play in Germany too? I, 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 I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I, is, 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 I mean they, they might they might end up I, in I the just, Mexico City Jags. I, I'm just saying. I just look at it from from this standpoint, and and you say, look, depending on who you send over there to go play. I mean, the Jags fans look at it like this. All right, so we already get hosed a home game every year because we're, we're going to London. So it's seemingly been one of those things. So so already you're punishing a fan base for what exactly? But you get one less home game. And I wonder in the name of globalism of the game, how much you're punishing the fans. Like, you know, obviously Green Bay Packer fans are most diehard. They'll be, they'll be fine. Are you going to send Green Bay over there? You going to give up a home game at Lambeau? To go play in Germany? No, and I'm saying, mm-hmm. because because my, my whole point in saying this is, are you going to treat the teams like they're just teams in a hat and say, today, the Dallas Cowboys are going to go, this year, mm. the Dallas Cowboys are going to go play in Germany. Oh, by the way, Jerry, ha, one less game at Jerry World. You think that's going to fly? Yeah. No, I, I don't think so. It's not. I, the Cowboys are going to get all their home games. I guarantee you probably the New York Giants are going to get all their home games. So... I just look at it and say, are you putting them over there equitably, or are you punishing fan bases? Are you you are punishing fan bases, Kevin, and you make a good point. It goes back to— now i got to watch my team at 9 a.m. Well, and, and that's another thing, too. Is when that, that, listen, the overseas games, you better get up early. <laughs> and, 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 and a lot of times, too, the games don't even really be that interesting, man. It's almost like, dude, like, you're kind of really watching the game for what it is, but I just think that if you are the NFL— and you saying to yourself, okay, we we dominate, we dominate, uh, you know, in the state. That 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 that, that there's you no know, no question. How do we start getting some of those international dollars? Because what starts happening? And this, what is this really about? This is about TV programming. You get a program overseas that's saying now we want to carry because you got NFL Deportes, you got that or ESPN Deportes. Yeah. I'm sorry. How do we be able? Because let's face it, it's a monopoly, man. The NFL is saying we want it all. 
So you start talking about, hey man, we got a new, you know, uh, we got a new TV deal. That, but that, I, but that I think here's, here's, the, here's the difference. It's like we're one of the few countries that plays football. Americano, if you want to put football yep. like that, where it's like baseball, you can say, how do we grow our market? Well, you have Japanese players. Yes. You have Chinese players. You have yes. Korean baseball players. You have Latin American baseball players all throughout your sport. Yes. And so, obviously, there's a reason for people internationally to pay attention to those guys who are playing in the highest league. I mean, who's the last, like, German-born, legitimate, like, I grew up in Germany, born star to play in the National Football League? <sighs> exactly. Who's I, the I, last I, guy? Who's I, the last guy from Spain? To go play the not and hold on, but you got to say this too though, Kevin. If I am German born, am I a marquee player? Like, am I one? Am I one of the best players in my position? Because that's another thing. Marketing only comes when you're when you're one of the best at what you do. And so that's another. And it's gonna be very very select few in a group of guys. So if you are like you said, baseball, Ronald Queen Jr., Ozzy Albies, Big Poppy just went to the freaking. Uh, you know, MLB Hall of Fame. So they, they're they're getting that part. You talking about? We talking about? You talking about? Uh, I mean, uh, John Mechie. You know, I think I think he's not. A, I think he uh, he wasn't born in America. Obviously, went to Alabama, but it's gonna it's gonna. But he he doesn't play quarterback. You see <laughs> what I'm saying? So so, and, so that has a lot to do with it too. But yes, I mean, I, I give when people start asking, man, what do the NFL really be meeting about? Where do we play at overseas? Because you got Mexico City, you had London, Nice Music. I'm trying to see how far are they willing to go. I, and I just remember, uh, you know. the, I remember the, the, the Falcons, uh, again, this was a preseason game, but I do remember because I was uh, just starting radio and making sure I was up to, uh, to you know, cover the game and, and, and follow the game. They played in Japan one year, and I think the game started at like 5 o'clock in the morning. Mm. Like, it kicked off at 5 o'clock in the morning. So I, w- I wonder how, like you said, how much you can expand uh, around the globe and still make it meaningful versus like, hey, we're going up, to, we're going to Germany, but hey, we're giving you the Texans and the Titans, well, okay. I mean, I understand that. Like, you're not shipping out big time no. matchups over there, and you're certainly not. And I think it's just not going to be equitable uh, the way they're going to go about uh, doing it. All right, moving along. Take three. Super Bowl week is here, Ben. What is the best part about the Super Bowl? I is it the game? Is it the food and the parties? Is it the commercials, the pregame stuff, the halftime show? What, in your opinion, is the best thing about the Super Bowl? It, it's the commercials. Because Kevin, you know, number one, you see who was willing to pay them big dollars for that sixty seconds. It costs a lot of money for that minute, or whatever it is, <laughs> yeah. right? Costs a lot of money. But number two, I would say it is a halftime show, depending on who it is. Because I mean, I ain't gonna lie. When the weekend did it last year, it was weird. Because I mean, all these people running around the weekend. I mean, the weekend burned a lot of calories. He all over the place. But I will say, it has to be the commercials, Kevin, because. You know, I mean, you got your usual suspects that are going to do different things. It'd be introducing movies and, you know, certain movie stars going to get a chance to do stuff. I'm trying to see how many times Aaron Rodgers is going to be on a, on a commercial because he's definitely not going to be in the Super Duper. So, I mean, I, it is commercials for me because over the years, I'm like, dude, these commercials is crazy. And I just I just see, I'm, like, when people ask, how creative can you get in a commercial? You're going to see some of the most creative. I will say this. You're going to see some of the most creative, and you're going to see certain people that just want to spend money. Like, some of these, you're going to be like, that, like, what was that? But it's got to be the commercial for me, Kevin, because the game might be a little lackluster. You know, they got, you know, Mary J. Blige, Dr. Dre, Eminem. Like, you know, they got about 30 acts for the freaking <laughs> uh, halftime show. This year, because you in Los Angeles. I mean, who else you going to get but Dr. Dre, you know, Eminem, and guys like that to perform? But for me, it is a commercial because I think sometimes, you know, when you talk about being able to introduce your product or just – 
show why your product is who it is. Or sometimes it's just it's just a flex. Hey man, we one of the ones that got a, that got a Super Bowl commercial. There, there are people who are gonna be tuning in just because it's the last game in the National Football League. You get a chance to push your product. So for me, give me the commercials. I think it to me, it's it's the pregame. I, and, and people are like, the pregame. I, I just you, to me, it's like all the pomp and circumstance. Because as you said, sometimes the game doesn't live up. Yeah, I mean it, it is what it is. You know, it's a it's a game. You can't predict how it's gonna do. Sometimes it just doesn't live up. The commercials are cool. I think halftime sometimes can be hit or miss. Sometimes it's really good, and sometimes it's like, yeah. I'm glad they had extra hamburgers, hot dogs at the party I was at. I didn't really, I really miss anything. And, uh, but to me, it's the pregame because last few years, especially, you've had uh, some interesting acts doing the, the national uh, anthem uh, before the game. You get again all the uh, the, the pregame hype. The co- I, I, to me, that's the pregame because that's when it's at its best. Is right before it all takes place. Give me that pregame. I, I would be interested to see. If we pulled a whole bunch of folks out there, what place the actual game itself would rank for a lot of people? Like, hey, what's the best part about the Super Bowl? It, I bet the game would be like third or fourth. No, it, it, like no, it's it everything would. else because, but the because, game. Because I mean, think about this. Okay, it's in LA. This is where the stars live. So whoever is in, whoever that cameraman is in charge of the stars, it's almost <laughs> like this. Okay, because we talk about the list, right, Kevin? All right. Just say I say, hey man, I'm gonna be at the game on the sideline. They'll say, well, dude, they was paying the salad and they ain't show you. Uh, really? Yeah, they ain't show you. I was you up in the time. luxury exactly, box. Exactly, because, you know, I said, well, I was standing right next to Denzel. You know, because <laughs> you know, you're going to see all the – and I will say this. Most of the people on the sideline, I, I don't care what they say, they are not L.A. Rams fans. They are not – they are fans of the NFL. They are fans of Odell Beckham Jr. Because it's going to be – Kevin, it's going to be star stars on that sideline, man. I'm just telling you, it's going to be – and once again, the dreaded list. If you not, don't embarrass yourself. <laughs> don't have your friends come in town saying, man, I'm good, man. Listen, in, in L.A., A-listers, B-listers can't make the listers. Don't be <laughs> that number C because I'm telling you, you're going to get embarrassed at that red carpet trying to get in. It's going to be standing room only. And I will tell you this. If you get a ticket for the Super Bowl, you got a little money in your pocket because I'm telling you, these tickets, on average, 9000 on average, not going, not doing it. I'm sorry. I I mean, it's come look. down a little bit from what I understand, the uh, the get-in price. It's only like 5Gs. For, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, here, let me just pull that out of my back. Yeah, no, here it is. No, you no, you, you and the missus. Hey, you told me you would take me to the Super Bowl. I, I, I didn't say which one I would take you to. Yeah, I'm going. <laughs> I'm, yeah, because I'm, yeah, here, we got to get airfare, mm-hmm. hotels, mm-hmm. food, mm-hmm. Uh, 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 transportation mm-hmm. and tickets, yeah, yeah. And you want concessions when we get in there? Just join me in the metaverse. <laughs> Just say you were there. I mean, you can listen, <laughs> listen, listen, listen. The accountant's gonna be like, Kevin, where did you go? Went to the Super Bowl. Yeah, what happened? We're gonna have to find a way to write this off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I lost a lot of money. That's what happened. That's take three. We do it every day this time. We'll come back. We got more to come here. Three and out, including uh, Jermichael Finley, gonna join us in about fifteen minutes, right here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Great to be here on this Wednesday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you are with us. Thanks for making us a part of your day. Drew Michael Finley going to join us, former Packers tight end, Super Bowl winning tight end, will join us coming up here in just a little bit. But Ben, the Super Bowl this week, as we mentioned, star-studded 
uh, there in L.A. And uh, some folks, I mean, we know Joe Burrow's got that GQ look. Uh, people have talked about that. Matt Stafford with a chance uh, to really etch his name up there uh, with quarterbacks of this generation. He's got the passing yards. Yep. Uh, people talk about that all the time. You're like, Matt's, like when you mention that, you say, in terms of passing yards, Matt Stafford's like one of the top, what, three or four quarterbacks? Mm-hmm. Kind of like this generation, people go, Matt Stafford, really? It's like, he, he's a, well, just because his team stunk mm-hmm. and, and they, they couldn't win consistently uh, was, was probably what's holding him back. But now he goes to the Rams and one year still puts up great numbers. Uh, you're still going to have interceptions again. I think the interception stuff, uh, Ben, is what you find with a lot of big-arm quarterbacks and guys who can really make a lot of plays with their arm. Brett Favre, ton of picks. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has had problems with picks uh, through uh, at, at times. Before, you know, obviously, he's developed where he's at in, in his career. Uh, you see a number of guys who have the really big, strong, and powerful arms who can really throw for a lot of yards also have problems with picks. Why? Because they believe their arm can fit it in any window ever created. And I think sometimes that happens with Matt Stafford. But he has a chance, I think, to rewrite that legacy, as we said. You look at all of his numbers, and you take away the fact that he played in Detroit, which has been an abysmal franchise, and then you add Super Bowl champion on top of that. All of a sudden, you start looking at that resume, and you go, man, that really really looks pretty good. And I think BJ's talked about that, where you're like, you could go from a guy who was all, you know, pretty good to really good if you add Super Bowl champion to that legacy. Uh, listen, when, when you look at Matthew Stafford, fastest player to reach 20,000 uh, career passes. Fastest player to reach 30,000 career passes. Fastest player to reach 40,000 career passes. Fastest player to reach 45,000 career passes. And obviously, he's five yards away from it being at 50,000 yards. And Kevin, you mentioned, I mean, 323 touchdowns to 161 um, uh, uh, picks. But the thing is, people ask, okay, what can Matthew Stafford do if you put him on a, on a, on a winning franchise? We'll go to Super Bowl. And I think that kind of shows his greatness. I mean, sometimes, you know, uh, you look you look at, and I, and I think with a guy like Matthew Stafford, Kevin, it was never everybody's talent. Coming out, number one overall pick, you know, out of Georgia. And people say, going to Detroit. Well, Detroit has had some all-time greats. Barry Sanders, retired, Detroit Lions. Megatron, you know, Calvin Johnson, retired, at Detroit Lions. They finally did right by Matthew Stafford. He goes to another team, and he goes to the Super Bowl. Somewhere, Barry Sanders. And freaking Calvin Johnson are trying to find the owner of freaking Detroit to beat the hell out of him. Because it's crazy. It's crazy when you put that type of talent. But, yes, Kevin, he can write a lot of wrongs. I mean, I think sometimes, you know, right, wrong, and different, we're going to criticize, you know, uh, you know, players or give them a lot of feedback. Matthew Stafford, if he wins his, he wins his super duper, we, I mean, I, and Matthew Stafford is responsible for the best, uh, the, the two best single season receiver, uh, you know, uh, uh, seasons. With uh, Cooper Cup and and I think Cooper Cup got a chance to have the most receiving yards, obviously in the season and and in the playoffs. I think he need like seven more catches to have more uh, the most catches in a playoff run. So yes, Kevin and Matthew Stafford can find a way to get it done. He might not have the swag of of you know of Joe Burrow or Odell Beckham Jr. or Jalen Ramsey, but he's gonna add that hardware. So yeah. we'll see. Well, put it on the other side. If you're if you're Matt Stafford, what if he comes out and has a pick or two in a crucial spot? Is that people are look at him and go, well, mm-hmm. it, again, his playoff experience is almost as, as minuscule as Joe Burrow's yeah. in the Cincinnati Bengals yeah. Yeah. Uh, when, you, when you talk about it. Is that going to be one of those things where you go, oh, he got up to the Super Bowl, but then, yep, same old Matt Stafford. Or is it just one of those things that it's going to happen if you're Matt Stafford because, again, he's going to try to fit it in somewhere uh, that most quarterbacks might think, nah, I probably don't have it. He, he, yeah. I mean, because Kevin, you know what it is. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to get past your uh, your old uh, your old uh, persona. He had nothing to do with that. That that's the, we we give people these things, 
But Kevin, you know, just like I know, he wants to look like, you know, L.A. Stafford and not Detroit Stafford. Because when he's good, he's good. But Matthew Stafford got that. When he's bad, it's like he's throwing it to anybody that's open, even if you got the wrong color jersey on. I don't think that's going to happen. But if it does, Kevin, you know, it's already built in. You know, it's like, I've been, listen, I've been up in the booth with all these sports writers. All of them got their laptops out. They done wrote their stories. They just hoping, please don't do nothing stupid. Pick up. I got to go through and redo, you know, paragraphs <laughs> six or whatever. But Matthew Stafford, look, man, it's all on him. Because if he doesn't get it done against a second-year quarterback, mm, it took one guy two years to do it. It took another guy, what, year 11, year 12 to do it. We'll see what happens. Yeah, and you really feel like the pressure is not even on Joe Burrow. Like, if he plays bad, it'll just be like, well, dude. You just had one of the more unbelievable playoff runs uh, that we've seen from a year two guy uh, in the NFL, especially in an expa- expanded playoffs uh, that the NFL put out there this year as well. So I, I think Joe Burrow, I don't want to say get a pass because I hate that because as we talked yesterday, Ben, you are in the Super Bowl. You need to win it. Yeah. Because there's no guarantee that, you no. know, Joe Cool is going to get him back no. anytime soon. Um, and that's not because of his talent, just because it's hard. I mean, how many people are saying, what, this time last year? People were saying, Man, Pat Mahomes, he's he gonna make a run at Brady. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Were they not? Like, yeah. Pat Mahomes. Oh, Pat Mahomes, oh, oh, he gonna oh, make Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers yeah. is he the GOAT? No, 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 they're and, not the GOAT. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, people start chalking it up. And Pat Mahomes, like, he's only been in AFC championships. And Jim Kelly went to four straight Super Bowls and lost all of them. What would Jim Kelly be legacy-wise? And he was a dang good quarterback. Yes. What would Jim Kelly's resume be if he was just 500 in Super Bowls? And had two rings. Yeah. So I, I think you start looking around and you go, we start chalking things up. I mean, there's no guarantee that Pat Mahomes is going to ever win another Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, so I, I look at it and people say, well, Joe Burrow, maybe he gets a pass because it's year two. If he doesn't play well, it's the Super Bowl. No. If you're Joe Burrow, you try to win it now. Exactly. Because you're there. Ask you me may end up, I'm trying to get that thing where I can yeah, get it. You may end up as Joe Burrow won the Super Bowl. Not Joe Burrow two times. So, so I, again, I think there's a lot of pressure on both. And I kind of feel like people want to step back and go, well, you know, Joe Burrow's here. He's been a great story, but, you know, he'll be back. I don't know. I, 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 you're talking about he plays for a franchise that's been to the – has won a playoff game for the first time in 30 years. You're going to start chalking up? He's going to win another Super Bowl. Russell Wilson, <laughs> Russell, Russell Wilson won one, win the back to win the back, to yeah. back. Has he been back since? I'm yeah. telling you, I mean, it's, it's rare. It, it is rare. It is very difficult to get there, and I feel like a lot of pressure on both these quarterbacks to go out there and get it done. We'll come back. Jermichael Finley is going to join us. Super Bowl winning uh, tight end with the Green Bay Packers. He hops in next here on 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. This is Ron Duck, former head coach of the Florida Gators. You're listening to 3 and Out with DJ, Ben, and Kevin. Good to be back here, three and out on this Wednesday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. We're streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Live video streaming uh, the show each and every day. We are efforting Jermichael Finley, former Green Bay Packers tight end, won Super Bowl uh, there when they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, ben Troop, so uh, obviously a tight end uh, who's had a big impact on the game. And tight ends continue. Uh, again, you look at all these teams uh, that are in the – Super Bowl and in the playoffs, they've had exceptional tight end play. 
uh, that is, that has come to the forefront. Yeah, Kevin. It's a, look. I'm happy. I'm obviously uh, being a former tight end myself. I'm happy for the position. I think it's I think it's grown from being just a glorified offensive lineman to where sometimes you just move the chains on third downs to kind of being a focal point. You look at a team like Kansas City uh, and what Travis Kelsey does. You look at a team like San Francisco. Uh, and what George Kittle does. I mean, you look at what Gronk has meant to the tight end position since he stepped foot into the league with both the Patriots and the Tampa Bay Bucks. It becomes that. It becomes really that mismatch nightmare, Kevin, that it used to be a time to where you have to put your hands in the ground. No, wherever they are on the field, they're moving the chains. They are, they are essentially running the passing game through these guys. And I think sometimes when you think about the tight end position, obviously you, you, gotta, you got all kinds. It's like a variety. You got a Kyle Pitts that's built to catch the football. You got a Gronk. That's you know six five six six two seventy. That when he gets when he get his hands on the ball, these uh these safeties, cornerbacks and linebackers are giving up. You know sometimes 50, 60, 70 pounds depending if they two hundred pounds. But I I think I think it's evolved, Kevin. I think it's evolved to something where you have to be a guy that can help in the run game, but you have to dominate. In the passing game, it can't be, oh, you're going up against a corner. You're going up against a slot guy. You're going up against a safety. You're going up against a linebacker. Don't care. You know, catch the ball. And they got to make plays because if, you, if you're a Kansas City, you can stop Travis Kelsey, which nobody's proven to do. You got a chance to beat him. I mean, I know the, I know the tight end from um, – I know the tight end uh, for uh, Cincinnati got hurt in the uh, in the championship game. I think he – yesterday now, I, would, I don't know if I proved uh, Uzoma, yeah, was, he played ripped, Auburn. Ripped, you know, ripped his uh, – Ripped his uh, knee brace off, like I vowed to play in it. And I bet you, I bet you, his, his trainer was like, "If you don't put that, <laughs> he ripped it and threw it." But I think the tight ends could potentially have a, a key role, uh, you know, in the Super Bowl because you know we get caught up in the cup, the Cooper Cups, and the Odell Beckham Juniors, and the J- Jamar Chase, and and, uh, Jam- and uh, T Higgins, and rightfully so. But those guys are going to be double the triple going up against some of the best, you know, athletes in the country. Do, you, do it? Do it? Come down to the tight ends making a play. Who knows, man? I don't think it's ever been. If I'm not mistaken, it's never been a tight end that won the Super Bowl MVP. And Gronk has been in, what, four or five of them. So I just, I just think that the tight ends might play a key role, uh, Kevin. But I do like the fact that the position itself yeah. has flourished. So you're saying they're past due. That's, uh, I mean, more- I, I would love it. I, I would love to see it. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like uh, when, when the uh, – oh, man. Uh, when the uh, Malcolm, Malcolm Brown, I think, uh, for uh, the Seattle Seahawks, the linebacker, he got the Super Bowl MVP when they won it. It wasn't Richard Sherman. You know, wasn't Earl Thomas, wasn't Marshawn Lynch, wasn't Russell Wilson. It was freaking, you know, uh, you know, Malcolm Brown. So who knows, Kevin? We think it's gonna be Aaron Donald. If this one of them tight ends, man. I'm like, y'all better put some respect <laughs> on them tight ends name, act like y'all know. He's been saying, let me hold that uh, for a minute. Let me see what <laughs> Oh my is. god, if I would have won a super I mean, Kevin, I, that, you know, I gotta ask you this. You know, obviously people, you know, people pay for Pro Bowls, all pros. Uh, they wanna, you know, they wanna make their money and all this. If you're the Super Bowl MVP. Right, it's a hundred and but well, it's a hundred and one of those. Right, this is the I think it's a hundred and you know hundred and first season. You know, in the NFL, if you're a Super Bowl MVP, it ain't the Heisman, right? But where do you rank that when you talk about because you know if I'm the World Series MVP, that's forever. Like I mean, we all get the ring if we on the team, but like, do you do you start saying yeah when you play in the World Series? Yeah, yeah, I played the one World MVP. And and cause cause people go, that don't mean I got to be the best player. I mean, Santonio Holmes, MVP. Uh, you know, I know a bunch of guys that, you know, Dexter Carden, different guy, Dexter Jackson, I mean, for the when the when the Bucks finally won the Super Bowl MVP, it was Dexter Jackson. Not Warren Sapp, not Derrick Brooks, not, 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 <laughs> you know, not John Lynch. So if you win the Super Bowl MVP, Kevin, where do you place that? Especially when it's one game, this is the moment, that's it. Yeah, uh, it's unbelievable. I mean, look. 
I think we're we're in setting up for a a great Super Bowl. And again, we're efforting Jermichael Finley. Hopefully, we get to uh, to chat with him. But yeah, one thing, one game, anything can happen. And I think that's what is fun about Super Bowls. And even uh, when you talk about uh, just championships in general, when you go back to the Braves or even if you look at the NBA, it's always the guy you don't think about that ends up having the play that turns the tide or, or wins the game. And I think that's what's really cool, obviously, uh, about sports. But we talked about Matthew Stafford and the Rams last. Let's talk about the uh, the Bengals on the other side, a, a perennial loser franchise uh, for the last 30 years, or at least one that couldn't do anything when they did get to the playoffs. What do they got to do get, to get over on the Rams? And you would say, well, they got over, they got over on uh, Kansas City. They got over on uh, the Titans who were in, in the bye. So they figured it out week to week. Is this a different, different story, though, against this Rams team? It is. They got. They got. They got to play. Uh, they got to play convinced football. Like remember, remember when I told you, Kevin, when it comes to a guy like Joe Burrow, certain people he's cocky. Certain people he's confident, right? I think you. I, you know, certain people he they think he's really, really conceited. Like, oh, I think he conceited, full of himself. He's real cocky. He's cocky. You got to live somewhere in the middle of all three of those. You got to play confident. You got to play a little cocky, man. And you got to think I'm better than these dudes, man. Like that's one thing about sports that no one wants to say. We always get caught up in the sportsmanship. Well, you call them, hey, man, you got to play the game the right way. Bump that. I think I'm better than them. That's why I play a sport. I think I'm better than the guys I do it against. I respect the guys I do it against. I know they put in just as much preparation, but that's Aaron Donald. That's Von Miller. I grew up watching these dudes. That go Jalen Ramsey. You know, that goes Matthew. I mean, Joe Burrow watch. I mean, uh, when they asked uh, Jamar Chase who he grew up watching, out of all receivers, he didn't say T.O., he didn't say Jerry Rice. He said Dez Bryant. That's who motivated him. And we all know how Dez Bryant played. Kind of like a, I mean, I'm a cocky receiver, man. I want to go out there and, you know, do you bad. So I think, Kevin, that has a lot to do with it because, look, I had a, co- I had a coach tell me this. I'd rather have to slow you down to speed you up, man. I'd rather, I mean, slow down. That means you're going too fast. Because if you're Cincinnati, how do I change the dynamic of an entire franchise? Got to win it. <laughs> like, like, think about it. Boomer Sison, I think, went to a Super Bowl. They got embarrassed. I remember when Cincinnati's biggest rivalry was the freaking Cleveland Browns because they both, you know, in the same state. You don't do that crap, and you take that crap back to Cleveland. And, you know, that's what it was known for. So I do think, Kevin, if listen, like I said, listen, could this be the year of, of you know, Atlanta, Braves, did, got it done. Georgia Bulldogs, got it done. Been a long time. Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee Bucks, got it done. <laughs> Could this be the year of the ones, you know, nobody saw doing it? I mean, because if, if Cincinnati does, how much, how much, we say this, it, it brings it to the forefront, how far back does it push? Because you know, Kevin, you lose the Super Bowl, then like, as Aaron, you might be making a little bit too much. Jalen might be paying you a little bit too much. I don't know, Matt, if we want to re-sign you. You know what I'm saying? Because they went all in now. Odell, went, uh, Weddle, Jalen Ramsey, Vaughn Miller, you got a lot of additions. Well, I mean, and again, I hate to bring up a sore subject, but just look at the fortunes of a team in this state. Atlanta Falcons went to the Super Bowl. Obviously, I'm not going to say what happened. We all know what happened. But in the immediate aftermath, less than, what, two years later, Dan Quinn is fired. After they went to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And they could not get it back under Dan Quinn. The next year, they were a little bit worse, a little bit worse. And... Again, that's why I think it's put so – when you're a team that is trying and trying, because the Falcons have been to, what, two Super Bowls in yep. their entire history? Yep. 
So when you get there, you want to change that history, you got to win one. And they, they haven't been able to do that. And I think is what you're saying about Cincinnati is true, man. It's like rewrite the entire history of a franchise by winning one. I know they're, they're young. I know they got uh, favorable contracts and this and that. But you lose the Super Bowl. It's not like you just come back and do it again uh, uh, the next season. That can take a lot out of you. Uh, physically, because you're playing extra games just to get there and then, then not get over the hump. I know in college we're like, man, I'm going to stand out there and watch that team celebrate, and I'm going to be I'm gonna be mad, and it's going to motivate me for next year. Okay, that that's fine, because we know there's eight teams, nine teams in college football, Ben, that are just physically talented, more talented than anybody else on in, in college football. Like, if you're Georgia and you're like, man, I sat out there and I watched Alabama celebrate that national championship, and it motivated me. Well, that, that, that's great, but you know, outside of Alabama, there may not be but two teams in the entire country that could even compete with you athletically. That's not the case in the NFL, yeah. obviously. So uh, when you get there, you got to make it happen. Yeah, Kevin, and, and, and look, how, look at how different this team is. Like Cincinnati, we, we know who Joe Burrow is, because he, Joe, but Joe Burrow won the Heisman. Won a national championship, no one over our pick. We know who Jamar Chase is. Was on that same team, set out a whole year. You know, T. Higgins coming from Clemson. Joe Mixon coming from Oklahoma. We know who these guys, but we forget about them because they play for it's like if they're in Cincinnati, they're gonna they gonna go away. Joe Mixon been there a while. Like Joe Mixon's been in Cincinnati when it was uh the uh years, the, just trying to get through the season. The Cincinnati Cincinnati trying to somebody say, it's hard to go from a side dish to an entree. They used to be good before the food actually arrives. Now they're the food that you're like, you oh, wait a minute. Y'all got Cincinnati wrong for no, it's the entree now. Really? Yeah. So so Kevin, do they eat like a meal, you know, when it comes time to? And I think that Joe, I just think Joe Burrow is such an X factor because he don't know nothing else. Like, dude, I mean, I, I'm from I listen, I'm 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 from two and a half hours from where I grew up. I started out Ohio State. You saw, I you know, I went to I went to LSU and the rest is history. Now I'm trying to show, hey, man, you keep me healthy, we can get done. And, and the thing is, too, we say this, though, Kevin, if, if Cincinnati holds up and Joe Burrow gets time, it could be a long day because them boys, they, we never question, can they, can they, you know, do we got some weapons? Hey, Matthew Stafford, man, if you finally make it to the Super Duper and a second-year quarterback <laughs> named Joe Burrow keeps him winning, hey, man, it just ain't meant to be. <laughs> Probably not at that point. We got more to come here. It's three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Hi, this is Tyson Browning, former Georgia Bulldogs, and you're listening to Three and Out with DJ Dan and Kevin. Good to have you here, Three and Out, on this Wednesday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, coming up, final hour of the program. Maurice Claret going to join us here on the show. Looking forward to that, and certainly in this age of name, image, likeness, and all that, uh, where would he have been in all of that? Not to mention, he was one of the uh, the first guys to really come out and say, why can't I go to the NFL one year out of high school and things of that? And we'll talk to him about that coming up in just a little bit. Also, Jermichael Finley, Ben, uh, you told me rescheduled till Friday. So he will join us Friday on the show. So we'll talk to him right before the Super Bowl coming up on Friday. Speaking of Friday, we're going to give away our Valentine's Day uh, package. Two-night stay at the Weston on Jekyll Island and a package at the Milan Day Spa. So uh, we're going to do that on Friday, but you still have time to register. How do you do that? We need to call us. 912-342-7184. 912-342-7184. Get your name registered. You can call right now. Get your name in, and we will narrow it down to a number of finalists, and we will pick a winner coming up 
on Friday. So give it a call right now, 912-342-7184. Again, great package just in time for Valentine's Day. And uh, looking forward to that giveaway coming up on Friday. I'm telling you, Kevin, at the end of the day, this is this is the, the this is the swag pack. I mean, for everybody that's trying to get right for Valentine's Day, this is the swag pack. You talk you're talking about hotel accommodations, you're talking about talk about uh massages. Listen, we don't do the candy over here. We don't do the roses over here. We don't do the uh, the bears over here. Now, we do save lives for those of you who don't want to send it into the station. We do save lives. But, no, this is about Valentine's Day. Yes. You're talking about the, the Western Jekyll, Western on, on uh, Jekyll Island, as well as Kevin. I mean, I'm just saying you get the massage. I mean, Kevin. Yeah. Well, I, was, I mean, as I said, if you don't win, Milan Day Spa, great place to just yep. go ahead and uh, treat your significant other. Western Jekyll Island, great place to go ahead and get away. Have ocean views. Come on. Uh, there, so, so even if you don't win, great opportunity for you to do something nice there uh, for Valentine's Day and uh, do something romantic. So keep them in mind as well. We will give away uh, the prize coming up on Friday. Like Kevin Thomas said, when you think, when you think, when you think Valentine's Day, thank Kevin Thomas. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. Like, I mean, that that's that what is what should be at the first and foremost of your mind. <laughs> I, I, again, and when you check and when you check in to the Western on Jekyll, just say. Kevin Thomas sent me. I want this, I want the Valentine swag pack. Yeah, and I want that. I, I'm gonna need an ocean view. And I'm, and I'm when you hit, check I'm in your room, there'll be a uh, life size <laughs> picture of my face right there next to the balcony with a butterfinger that's already <laughs> eaten. <laughs> the wrapper instead of rose petals leading to the bed, it'll just be butterfinger wrappers. <laughs> Oh, leading, leading to the bed. So 912-342-7184. Call right now. Get yourself registered for your chance to win that great prize. We're coming back. Maurice Claret going to join us on the flip side here. Three and out. Southern Pick. Final hour of three and out here on this Wednesday. Kevin Thomas, Ben True, glad you are with us here. Thanks for making us a part of your day. A lot to come here in the final hour of the program, including some legislation that may potentially have student-athletes, the NCAA and college football, deeming them as employees. We'll get to that. So a, a complaint filed on their behalf. So we'll get to, uh, to see where that goes potentially over the next 12 to 18 months. But we'll get to that a little bit later in the program. But uh, joining us here uh, on three and out, a former running back, won the national championship at Ohio State in 2002, was the Big Ten freshman of the year, all Big Ten in 2002, and a third-round draft pick in 2005 by the Denver Broncos. Maurice Claret joining us here on 3 and Out. Maurice, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Yourself? Hey, we're doing, we're doing fantastic. And want to have you on because obviously in this day and age of, uh, of college football, you're, you're seeing NIL deals and things of that nature. Do you, do you ever think back and say, man, if some of this stuff was – uh, was in place back in 2002, how much could I have benefited from it at the time? Oh, yeah, you look, you look at it and you think about it and you, and you laugh and joke. Uh, but then you just talk about the uh, just the reality of the times. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure I would have made myself some money and we would have done well, but uh, just the the economy at large is just a lot larger than it was, you know, back in 2002 or so. These young guys deal with um, endorsement deals and, and how you can generate revenue and products being sold and the internet being a major factor, you know, those things drive the, um, excuse me, the valuation of these young guys up. But, you know, just like anything else in life, you know, everything is timing, everything 
uh, need the, the appropriate circumstances around it for it to happen and for it to be a thing. And, uh, and, and I, don't, I don't care how, much, uh, how many things are wrong or people deem as wrong with what's going on. Uh, it's a lot righter than what it was before. Uh, so I'm just happy for all the young guys who get a chance to benefit. And, uh, you know, everybody won't make it to the NFL. Uh, so, you know, these guys are rewarded for uh, just what, what they've been doing in the football field. And, and uh, just cool to see. Maurice, how much how much of this thing is gonna have to be re- you know uh, just regulated some? I mean, obviously, I'm happy for the for the players as well. I think that people get too caught up in the fact that players have a lot more you know education on what they actually bring to the table. They understand uh, with them having fifty and sixty offers coming out of high school, just how big of an asset they are. But they get to make money off their name and image likeness. And you know what comes money? You know comes problems, comes comes uh, taxes, comes you know uh, sharks in the water. How much is this thing gonna have to be regulated? from a standpoint of one, to make sure they keep some money in their pocket, and two, they got to know what the pitfalls could be. Yeah, I, but I think that's the university's responsibility. Um, I don't even think as a high school kid, you know, you just take, take yourself back. You know, we're around the same age, uh, but take yourself back. You know, when you're in high school, you're just going to classes like, you know, every young kid and, and just trying to get an education, and, you know, you want to go to college. And the amount of money that these kids are running into is equivalent to what, what guys run into when they go to the NFL, but they're three years younger. Uh, at least when you go through college, you have, you know, two to three years of you managing money, and that's not even a, a big deal. Uh, but the, but, the, but the, um, the NCAA, the universities, you know, you can do basic courses on finance. You can do basic courses on money management, and you can uh, actually put an infrastructure around these guys to hold their hands and walk them through it. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of guys who, who haven't played football. There's, there's regular adults in our society who mismanage money. So I don't want to act like we can alienate these kids and just act like uh, just because they receive money that they'll be just the, uh, uh, the, the only group of people in America to ruin their credit or ruin a dollar. You know, I got people who live in my neighborhood, people I grew up with who are never athletic, you know, who ruin money. So it's not just for these young kids, man. And, um, and I don't want to act like this is a subset group of people uh, are the only group of people who who mismanage dollars, uh, but I don't know. I, I just stick to the positives. I'm just I'm I'm happy they are getting it. And as anything else, some people will make mistakes, and some people will be used as as, a, as an example. But let's hope in the long run that the fact that these guys are paid and the fact that somebody can identify their work as uh, a contribution to the university and that you know it has some value. Uh, let let's keep on beating that drum because I think the longer we beat this drum, that you know, these kids will be distracted or they'll fail or whatever, uh, like the narrative never develops. And I just, I would rather keep conversations on how do we help these kids? What can they look for? How do you put the appropriate evaluation on a kid? You know, how do you value their social media brand? And I, I rather just keep on talking about how to unfold it uh, just because, you know, man, you know, these guys put in a lot of work to, to generate, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars for these universities. And, you know, just, just understanding how you can get a guy who may not be a superstar, who just may be a player on the team, some resources or some money, I'm interested in that. And uh, like I say, I, I had a bad story from, uh, from this and, and things, went, how they went with my life and my career. Uh, but just to see, you know, just to see how things are going now, uh, it's just kind of cool to watch them develop. I was going to say, are you surprised at how quickly it's developed? Because it seemed like it was just a few years ago it was – hey, we need to be able to make some money off of ourselves because, you know, look, we don't have snacks uh, as athletes. We don't have access to certain things. We want to be able to go out and, you know, take our, uh, our girlfriends on a date. We need to have some – we would like to have access to earn money off ourselves to be able to do some of those things to guys are signing million-dollar deals and, and, and t- teams are getting things set up where 
entire position groups are getting deals and uh, and things of that nature. Are you surprised that it took so long to get there, and then when it did, it just kind of exploded all over the place? Yeah, well, I'm I'm I'm, I'm not surprised because you know the the NCAA became the buffer for this. You know what I'm saying? Like, why why would I have these brands market directly to players when we can sit here and buffer, or the school can sit here and buffer? and to take the money and build up the institution. You know, it's no different than when you look at a social media platform. You have Instagram, you have TikTok, you have um, um, uh, Twitter. You have all these social media platforms. And when you first get on the platform, you know, they say, hey, you know, come on, invite all your friends, tell people to follow you. But once you create a following, they only allow so many people to have your content reach or your content to be reached unless you pay for it, right? So then you have to pay TikTok or then you have to pay Twitter or then you have to pay Instagram or Facebook and then more people see your stuff. And that's kind of like how the universities work to these kids. And so now instead of these brands uh, reaching out to the university to do a deal, these guys can say, hey, man, this is our demographic. This is the person that we want to be associated with. And now we have the ability to do it. And it wasn't like they did it out of goodwill or like, hey, man, this is the goodness of our heart. I think California, if I'm, and correct me if I'm wrong, I could be wrong. I think California had took the first stance, and then people kind of trickled behind them, and they just said, hey, man, we're going to let these kids make money. And I think it's actually embarrassing. Like, if you hear what you're saying, how it's perceived to me, like, to, to, to be in 2021 or 2020, whenever it was enacted, to, to just talk about a person can't make money from the things that they do, uh, it, it, it just, it, it just it, to me, it just sounds so much like, other stuff that I don't even want to talk about, right? It just sounds so crazy, you know what I mean, that, that a person could, could not be compensated for what they contribute to a university or to any entity, you know what I'm saying? I don't care if it's radio, I don't care if you're in the automotive industry, I don't care whatever it is you do. Uh, in America, you should be able to uh, provide a service, render a service, and based on evaluation of, or based on your contribution or your value to the, to the entire entity, you're paid, you're paid to just do but when you have these young kids who play sports, we some we somehow um, devalue. You know, we, we devalue and we say, "Hey, you should be happy what I give you in regards to a college education." So I don't know. I, I'm happy with it. Uh, I love it. You know, love to talk about it. Love that these guys get their, um, you know, get their shot at having something. Because I, I, and I, I'll say this: I'm probably more passionate about it because not just my personal story. I see so many guys when they're done playing. These guys have nothing, or they haven't, they haven't gotten anything, and everybody doesn't make it to the NFL. And so there's no, there, there's no profession. There's not physicians, attorneys, um, engineers, uh, um, just any, any, anything, communication degree. There's nobody who would put the amount of time aside of a profession, dedicate their life to something, only to have a 1% chance to do it professionally on average for four years. And most kids – this is what they do, and as athletics become more demanding, uh, these kids don't have time to become, you know, whatever it is that they want to do in classes. And it, it leads into a larger story. A lot of these kids are put on conveyor belts to miseducate them, to then put them in a system just to remain eligible so they're actually not even getting an education. And so, like I said, I, I'm deeply passionate about it. At least these kids get something. At least they get some resources. You know, if their family gets some help, if they get some help, uh, if they do get some education, more, more kids' lives can change. And I'm more happier about that and, and everything that seems to be coming around. It's like I give you a prime example. Uh, a, a young guy, he's a young guy I watched grow up. His name is Rashawn Brown, and he has a, a company. But he's now he's 24, 25, and uh, just off of NIL deals, he's been able to create an agency where he helps to get guys to understand their valuation 
and to market those guys to the broader public. And I've seen so many things stem off of this. But I feel like I say, I've seen more good than bad. And uh, I'm never the guy to, to, to be pessimistic about something. I'm always optimistic and, and hoping and wishing for the best. But I don't know. I'm just happy uh, to talk about it and happy to share my thoughts on it. No, Maurice, I mean, even sticking with that, I mean, I think too often at times, there's a lot of times the noise come from the people who, like you said, are just onlookers. I mean, people say, man, is this going to ruin college football? Is this going to ruin college athletics? But I think at the end of the day, I always say this, no matter what a kid is getting, he's still get, they, they still getting him or her at a bargain when you think about every single player, whether it's male or female, no matter what the sport is, is given the ultimate. Our day begins when everybody's day ends, and then whether you win the championship or not, you look at your armor, you look, you look at Ohio State, where you went, the – you know, Coach Day and those guys, and no fault to them, they're making tens, twelve, fifteen million dollars a year to coach quote amateurs these days. Yet when you start talking about giving some of that back to the ones that afford you that opportunity to do it, people seem to think it it might be, oh man, it's gonna ruin things. I mean, how do you feel about the fact that look, man, these universities, I mean, exposure is going is going through the roof. These coaches, or they are still the faces of these colleges and universities. But they spending millions of dollars to get these kids on campus to then tell them, hey, man, we're paying for your room, paying for your board, paying for your books, but you guys can't make no money. Yeah, it's a new day. <laughs> That's all I can say. It's a new day. And the coaches know the right thing to do. And if they want to be – if you want to be honest, uh, college football is already lopsided. You know, uh, when you talk about the amount of money on the budget for recruiting, your power fives are going to get your top-tier players. You know what I'm saying? Uh, just the, the amount of advertising, the exposure, uh, you being able to say, hey, I sent X amount of guys to the NFL. And this was before the money. Uh, but, you know, these guys, you know, and, and this is no offense, right? I've had coaches uh, that have impacted my life more than my father, more than family members, more than anything, right? And I love coaches, right? But I've also did as much for coaches as they've done for me. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and I mean that with all due respect, right? You know, uh, when people show, when they go to these stadiums, you know, they, they're going to watch the, the, the guys play. You know, nobody's like, I mean, and this is no offense. I don't even know the Cincinnati Bengals head coach's name, but I know Joe Burrows. You know what I'm saying? I don't know a lot of coaches' names for a lot of universities, but you know the players on the field and who you enjoy watching. And, and the coach becomes the figure that we all enjoy because, you know, they, they are who they are and they impact guys. And like I say, I'm, I'm not minimizing coaches because coaches have changed my life. But let's let's not act like players don't make coaches and coaches make players. It's a symbiotic relationship between both parties. And just for so long has been balanced that, hey, you know, praise the coach and these guys just be happy that they're on campus. And, and that's that. And so I just, I, I've never believed that even when I was in school, uh, I just thought that there was uh, equal amounts of value. Now, uh, did I behave the best way? No, but that's just part of maturity. You know, do, do most kids behave the best between 18 and 21? And, and probably not, you know what I'm saying? I probably didn't grow up until I was about, you know, 28, 29, and, and, and once I started having uh, kids and everything else. But, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, man, um, I'm, I'm just happy where college football is at. I'm happy where college sports is at in, in general. And uh, it, it's just good to see guys do well. I'm, I'm a person in life. I'm just happy to see people do well and, and get an opportunity to do more than what they, what they were able to do in the past. You know, and finally, Maurice, I mean, you talk about – I think you say something that, that resonates with me. You talk about, I mean, coaches and players are synonymous with each other. Like you said, I mean, I know who Joe Burrow is. I know who Jamar Chase is. I know who T. Higgins is. I know who Matthew Stafford is. I know who Odell Beckham Jr. is. And they could be standing right beside Sean McVay. They could be standing right beside Zach Taylor. I wouldn't know who these guys are. When I think of Trestle, obviously he's one of the greatest coaches to ever come to Ohio State. I think of you every time I think of him because you are his Carmelo to Coach Beheim. Like, without you – 
He ain't winning that thing, and it, it's not just you. But how, what do you think coaches' roles are in this? Because obviously NIL, you know, it's something that the coaches know about, but they kind of like behind the scenes. What do you think the head coaches could do to kind of help push this thing along? Just be open to it and just say, hey, how do we support these guys? And let me say one thing about Coach Trussell, man. One of the most honorable things that he's done to me uh, was that, you know, I'm, I'm so far removed from playing sports or being able to contribute anything. But, man, we were hanging out one day, and he just was like, yo, man, I got to tell you. He says, uh, whatever you want to do with your life or whatever I can do to help you, I want to help you because you've helped me more than you ever know. And, you know, you helped me with contract extensions. You helped me to get recruits. You helped me with all this stuff. And so to this day, everything I call on this man for, he's helped me just in, 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 a, in a thousand different ways to secure business, to get contracts, to get permits, to, to just to just everything I cannot even name. But he's one of the more honorable guys and who gets the relationship. You know what I'm saying? And I, I, I forgot uh, what else you had asked. Oh, you said what, what role can coaches play? Coaches can just be honest. Coaches were players one time. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't have to. You don't have to be mad that the young kid is getting money. And so, if the kid gets some money, he buys some sneakers, or he buys uh, something that he probably shouldn't have, or he wastes some money. Like so, what? Big deal. That's what he did. You know what I mean? Like we've all wasted money. We've all done stupid stuff with money. We've all bought things that we probably shouldn't have bought. But let's not like ostracize these kids or talk down on them because they've done one irresponsible thing. You know what I'm saying? He opens to these dudes. You do something silly, okay, man, that's, that's, like, that's cool that you did it, but that's probably not the most responsible thing you could have done with your money. Or, hey, man, this is what we can do. You know, be, be, before, um, before you all are allowed to, uh, like, just something simple. Before you're allowed to touch all your money, just as you would have uh, a test to go from the ninth to 10th grade, like a basic finance course our basic course on just like just the principles of uh, managing money. There's just, just certain just certain principles and just basic education on managing money, understanding the difference between assets and liabilities and just the economics around money and, and how money can be used and how it can be invested. There's a lot that universities can do. There's a lot of professionals that universities can pull on. There's a lot of people just at the beck and call of a university that they can surround them with, but the coach can advocate for that. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's not give the kids money, look at them and say, oh, the kid failed. But hell, he, he, he goes to uh, BS Class 101 and he practices football for the rest of the day. Like, what do you think is going to happen? You know what I'm saying? Uh, a fool with money will part. You know what I'm saying? That's it's biblical. You know what I mean? And, and sorry, I almost cussed. I don't know if I did cuss, but, you know, what, what do we really think is going to happen um, you know, if you give these guys money and they don't have an education to to understand what to do with it or how it works. You know, most of these kids don't even come from money. These coaches know where to go get the majority of these kids from who we all love to watch on the field and, and cheer for and root for. So I think that you can have um, – I think that a coach can implement infrastructure along with an athletic director on just, just like a basic test that you can say, okay, man, do you understand – the basics of money. And you can do that with the whole football team. You can do that with the whole sporting uh, deal. You can do it with gymnastics and, and everybody else. And, you know, once you pass this test, you're able to access your NIL money. And I think that's fair, you know, because you're, you're looking out for the right of the kid. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Maurice Claret, our guest here on 3 and Out. Maurice, really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks so much. Uh, thank you all for having me. Maurice Claret joining us here on 3 and Out. And, uh, again, it's a new day. It's new day, as he said, for for college athletes. It could be another new day dawning right around the corner 
for student-athletes. Uh, we'll get to that when we return. It's 3 now on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good conversation there with Maurice Claret talking about you know, name, image, likeness, kind of the future of where this thing is going. But Ben, could college athletes become employees? There is a, a I'm trying to get the, uh, the, the legal ease right, a, uh, what is that, a, I'm, I'm, I'm losing my brain here on what it's specifically called. That uh, It's not a lawsuit. It is a grievance, mm-hmm, I think, mm-hmm. uh, to the, uh, the National Labor Relations, uh, against the National Labor Relations Board, or to the National Labor Relations Board against the NCAA and some of the schools specifically uh, in the Pac-12, UC, USC and UCLA, uh, that the, uh, the attorneys who have filed this say, look, if this goes through, this applies nationally. Because the NCAA is national. So if it passed the California applied everybody to treat uh, students as employees and what lasting ramifications uh, that could have. Of course, we're at name, image, likeness, uh, Ben, because it seemed like before name, image, likeness, people said, well, do you want to pay student athletes a salary or a at that point, people were saying, well, why don't we take up all this money and divvy up a stipend to student-athletes, and would that be considered a salary? Would that be employees that they thusly have to pay tax on? Things of that nature. We saw the Northwestern players uh, put together a lawsuit that said, hey, the players should be able to unionize and and things of that nature. I think this would be a little bit different uh, where they're trying to get student-athletes viewed as employees, which would give them, you know, rights as employees and things of that nature, to which obviously some people are for, some people are uh, against. But I think you cross over a, a line here where... Things are set up the way they are for a reason. I don't say that it's with ill intentions, but things are set up the way they are for a reason, mostly to do with money, not necessarily ill will toward a certain group. Obviously, the way it's set up now, colleges and athletic departments can be nonprofit institutions. Mm-hmm. Well, if you start having employees and all that, uh, how nonprofit can you be? And what are the tax? You can't be a nonprofit. You can't be a 501c3 if you're out here making money and paying employees and collecting profits. Can't do that. Uh, so a lot goes into this, and they said this could take 12 to 18 months, but apparently a lot of steps being put forward to see if, in fact, student-athletes can become employees. <sighs> Kevin, this thing is moving really, really fast, right? And I think sometimes you got to realize, every time you start talking about college athletics, it's all of them. There is no more P5, G5, NAIA, Division II, it's, all, it's everybody. So you got to ask yourself, how crazy could this become? It's, it's almost like this. If we're all in a room and we're all working with the same unlimited funds, whatever said, we all got the same budget. We all can do it. But you're not talking about unlimited funds. There are people talk, talking about the SEC. Vanderbilt ain't working with what Georgia got, <laughs> and they're in the same conference. So I think what happens is, Kevin, once again, you make a rule, right? When, let's use NIL. NIL. You can, the, it says, okay, NIL, you can make money off your name and them as likeness, right? Every college does not have every athlete on an NIL deal. Right. And, and people start th- now think about that. Wait a minute, you can do it. Yeah. Well, that's this thing called perception and reality. Reality is one of those things to where it's harsh to deal with. So, yes, Kevin, I understand what they're trying to say, but I will say this. I don't think this, I don't think the athletes are employees. I think athletes make a, uh, an incredible contribution, and I do think the NCAA need to come up with some kind of way to be able to help them benefit off the whole. Like, you take NIL and you say, boom, you got to find a way to say, okay, we got to find a way to get them all an NIL deal because it's going to be crazy. But you start talking about employees. L- listen to me, people. Listen to me. Now you start talking about 
W-2, 1099. <laughs> you start talking about taxes. You start talking, and then, you know how it is, Kevin? Okay, now do we get health care benefits, right? Okay, now, what type of health care benefits do we get? Because people are going to need different stuff for different things. All right, are, are, the, are, the, are the male athletes and the female athletes getting the same thing? We're talking about health care benefits, depending on do you, if, if, a, if a player, if a player, if a, if a, if a female, if a woman athlete gets, gets pregnant, do she still get the key? It's, it could get crazy, people, I'm telling yeah, yeah. y'all. But I will say this. Sometimes... Sometimes, as my daddy would used to tell my mom, said, just give it to him. They always like we, me, and my brother, and my sister. We thought we wanted everything we wanted. Give it to him. Want a dog? Give it to him. And hey, daddy, uh, uh-uh, uh, that's y'all dog. Y'all, will, <laughs> y'all will feed him. We gonna get the food. You got to feed him. You got to go out. And, and you realize how much of a daunting task it is. There is no one size fits all. We talk about college. What I want for me individually may not be celebrated collectively. But now you start saying this is what we got. Well, the colleges say. Think about college. You say, dude, we spending every dollar. We don't got no, we don't got no extra anything, and I just think that that's that's a slippery slope we start we put ourselves on because well, we are we are acting as if everybody is dealing with the same money across the board, and that couldn't be farther from the truth. That is true, and, and again, I think a lot of people say, "Oh well, we look at the uh, Georgia's got like a half a million or half a billion dollar rainy day fund, just money sitting there." Well, that's not every school. Some schools, are, again, I think we've got caught up in a keeping up with the Joneses uh, mentality in college football where you got schools funding projects to upgrade this and this and this and this, and you're paying to keep up with the Joneses, not necessarily sitting on a, a fat stack of cash uh, to do that. But I, I do think that's an interesting designation uh, and some of the concerns that were raised about if you do this, um, and I think the Pac-12 commissioner was quoted as saying, it could blow up the whole thing. And it very well could. Uh, and, and does that move us closer to what I've often said is, do you see a breakaway from the NCAA mm-hmm. versus what was suggested in uh, some of the columns that we've seen, a breakaway of another kind? But that could be very interesting. We'll discuss that. I want to get into that. I want to leave a lot of time to, to get to that, Ben. So we'll take a break. We'll come back. And would that, that simple designation of, hey, they now become employees, blow up the whole thing that is college athletics. We'll get to that next. It's three. Good to have you back here, three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin BJ not here. Ben Troop is here on this uh, Wednesday, and we're talking about uh, a a grievance, I guess, that has been filed with the National Labor Relations Board on behalf of student athletes in California. And could uh, this be a move to make college football and college athletes basketball? I think this was specifically focused on football, men's and women's basketball. As employees, and I think the next logical step would be, well, why aren't the other athletes, quote, employees of the school <laughs> at, at, at the same uh, model? But I know the Pac-12 commissioner quoted in an article here by Ross Delger saying, look, it could blow up the whole model. And you talk about a system where, and Ben, I've talked about the Power 64-5 breaking away, where the athletic departments would break away from the schools. So the schools could, could ma- maintain the nonprofit, and the athletic departments would be separate entities. Oh, I go to UGA, but I play football for the UGA athletic department. I mean, in some ways, you kind of do that now uh, anyways, but mm-hmm. this will be completely separated from the school is what one model put out there. And as the uh, the Pac-12 commissioner said, I mean, if they're employees, can I start firing people? Right? I mean, it, yeah. it, like right now, people, uh, there's been a lot of pressure out there with coaches with scholarships because mm-hmm. technically scholarships are one-year deals. Mm-hmm. And, and and we've seen a lot of public pressure. It's good PR, obviously. We see a lot of public pressure for guys who show up to college. They get 
life-altering injuries playing sports. Hey, I tore my knee up. That's my third knee injury. I can't play anymore. Okay, we'll let you keep your scholarship. You can finish out. You're just not going to play because you know, obviously you, you're, you're medically you know, done at that point. We've seen guys get injured after getting a scholarship offer, and schools will honor that. Well, they don't have to. It could be a one-year deal. See ya. All right, well, now you're an employee. If I don't like your, quote, job performance, are you fired? Mm. Are, are you not? Are you, you understand what I'm yeah, saying? It's, it's and so, and so I, I think that's what uh, it gets very interesting uh, in, in that realm of it. And also uh, when uh, you see people say things like, hey, we could just scrap the whole model, blow it up, and you want to run college football like a business, I think that's where you get to the point of for the good that college athletics does, you're going to get some people, oh, oh you want to run it like a business? You want to run it like a business? All right, because we got about seven or eight things over here that are making zero money. We call those business losers. Mm-hmm. We can have a few of those. We can have seven of them. I'm- yeah, we can have seven of them. We're going to get rid of all that so we can maximize profit and make the business uh, as healthy as possible. And so I think that would be some of the unintended consequences because even if you say, we're going to run it like a business, well, every business job is to look at itself and say, how can we run leaner? How can we run tighter to maximize our output? our revenue, and our profit. And they're not going to sit there and run 17 sports at a loss. Just not going to do it. Well, you have the money to do it. No, 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 no. No, You didn't ask if I had the money to do it. We are losing money by doing that. Why can't we just pay the football players and basketball players more? Because we're making money there. We can afford to pay them. We can just remove that cost and be efficient in the few things that we're doing. And I think that could be a direction it could potentially go in the altruism of, hey, we got men's and women's track. We mm-hmm. got men's and women's swimming. We mm-hmm. got equestrian. We got water. We had a water polo team. Mm-hmm. Well, you could do that when you're raking it in and you can fund those teams through all that. When you're running it like a business, you may say, probably don't want to spend money on that anymore. This is the best, this is the best way I can break it down. I worked for a major, re- I worked for a major retail uh, store uh, before. And people would always ask, hey, man. Why is it? Why? Why is? Why is? Uh, why is cosmetics on the first floor? <laughs> why is it on the you know fourth floor? I say, because this is what sells the most. What? This sells more than anything. Like, the rest of this store can be funded through this first floor. Meaning, we have the men's section, the women's section, the infant section, the kids section, because this does so much. They do more in an hour than certain departments do in in in, in two or three days, right? And I was like. Yeah, and somebody says, it's just makeup. I go, no, it's beauty through makeup. <laughs> and I think what happens is, I go, well, think about who wears makeup. It's not just, women aren't the only ones who wear makeup. But if you're on TV, right, certain lighting, that's makeup. If you got certain things, that's makeup. You know, as far as like movies and all. So it's like, and I, and I think what happens is it's what you just said, Kevin. When you start talking about the business now, everything is on the forefront. All right, lacrosse, <laughs> how much money are you bringing in? All right, all right, uh, you know, all right, uh, water polo. Certain <laughs> schools got hockey, depending on where they are. Right. I think what happens is too, it's like this: when I went to the National Football League, I made a lot of money. That doesn't mean I understood money, and that doesn't mean I understood the business. When I talk to some of my teammates and they ask me, "Hey, man, you know, is you, do you got a balanced portfolio? Do you have a do you have a financial plan? Do you have this?" And I'm like, "This, no." <laughs> They're trying to show me that. I'm a part of a business, but I'm not a but I'm not business minded. So now you're taking 17 to 22 year olds who all they really want to do, they want to come to the school, they want to be the best player, they want to go play professional if they if they if they uh sport allows. Now we're employees. Now Uncle Sam's coming, <laughs> right? 
So now you got to pay taxes. What's the likelihood of them paying them? What's the likelihood of them having time to under people's financial? I said, look, man, I've been in college before, man. I don't know what make people think because I'm an athlete. I'm, my mind works different than a person who is an athlete. I want to play the video game, but I got practice. I want to do these things, but I got training table and I got film work. I think what happens is, Kevin, is look, this is where former players need to say, look, we got to be able to say this. This ain't it. NIL is the way. I think it's the way because, Kevin, you can regulate it because everybody's not getting it. Now you're talking about everybody? Everybody's an employee. Okay, what's the salaries? What do they make? Because now you like, wait a minute, how, how does, you know, tennis make the same thing as, as basketball at Duke? What? So I, I, I just think that this is this – Or is even, a- even that. Why – why would you make the same thing as what Chris Leak or Rex Grossman? Oh, yeah. I mean, so, oh, because within a business, right? Like yeah. somebody said, it's within a business, right? I heard somebody say this, man. There aren't two kings in one castle. There aren't two CEOs in one business. We're merging. So here goes, oh, oh, quarterbacks. This is y'all style. Look, look, and put them up so everybody can see. <laughs> quarterbacks. Here go y'all style them. Here go. I'm telling you, Kevin, you know, you know just like I know. In business, if me and you come into the business at the same time, we come entry level, and you know you outperform me, and you work enough through, you could potentially become my boss. But that's that's through performance level. Young people don't think like that. <laughs> I don't think he's better than me. I don't care what he's done, man. I see him in practice every day. Oh why? Because he's a starter. I'm telling you, man. This yeah. ain't on top of that. He's getting nil. So now yeah. you're getting nil over here. And you're getting paid over here. You know who's going to revolt against this? That would be the professors. That would be the people that work at the school. What about what about the people that work at the stadiums? That's, that's, that's still not making that much. And these stadiums are big, big. Yeah. So, I, like I said, Kevin, certain things you think you want it, people. Adulting, needs yeah. to be, needs, you need to wait to start that, to, to start that aspect. And, and, again, I think it's just so much of an, uh, an infrastructure situation where you talk about employees and, and this and that. At Even if you're just talking about – Football, basketball, and men's and women's basketball—like that—is not even equal across the realm of Division One sports uh, in terms of what people could could get paid. And I think you're seeing it somewhat with NIL, which, again, I'm kind—I of, think we're kind of we're paying them kind of as employees right now, but they're not being called employees. That's kind of the way I, I feel about well, yeah. it with some of the NIL. But I do feel like it is a a better way because, again. Not everybody's getting the same thing. Of Not everybody's course. doing it. So, and I, and I think from the school standpoint, the school doesn't want to go into all that and start having every athlete become an employee. And as you said, then you got to regulate this, that, whatever. As opposed to now, <laughs> oh, it's the like, hey, gonna be crazy. you go out, you went out and got your deal. There you go. You will have to pay tax on that money, no question. But you went out and got that deal uh, and and earned it uh, for yourself. I, I think the the school's looking at it and saying, I mean, because if you hear some of the things in the in the story that uh, you know they wrote. The athletic department would essentially become a separate business. Oh, which it, again, and the, if you and don't the, understand, it kind of is now, but it's affiliated with the yeah, school. Yeah. but it's its own monetary I, I, thing. Well, but, we, well, does, does that pose a question, okay? When we start say, saying what what purpose does does college serve? Now you're starting to see, like having infrastructure, having things that it's almost like the power grid in America. That's what runs the world. We don't see it. But that's what runs it. So when you see this clean water, clean yeah. air, and all, the power grid does it. When the pandemic first hit, and I'm not talking about the pandemic, and we and we and we ran out of you know toilet paper and like you know, <laughs> and people was like panicking. Well, that's that's the supply chain. That the supply chain consists of you know uh, you talk about trucks. I mean you talk about planes. What I'm saying is the behind the scenes of any organization is what run it. Logistics and all these behind the scene things. Now if that stuff is coming to the forefront, well now. 
in order to even have this for the players, you got to add more staff. Cause now you got to deal with that many people. So we are. So you taking the employees to whatever the number is of uh, athletes? What the thousand? Man, a college already got thousands of employees. <laughs> now you finna, I, I just think that. I just think that you know, it's like this. Before I had kids, and I and all I'm doing is babysitting my niece and nephews. I'm like, oh, this ain't that hard. But I only got it for a couple of hours, and I give them back to my brother, and my sister. When you get yours, ain't nobody give them back. <laughs> you are the person. So I, I do think that sometimes it's a good idea, but. Let's do a mock run. Let's just, let, take some fake money and just say, we're going to do it for a day. They're going to be, man, my check ain't. It's, listen, chaos is bound to happen because as soon as they say the salaries, people are going to think it ain't enough. As soon as they say the salaries, some people are going to say, that's too much. Then you, I mean, it's just, it's just too many things that could go wrong. And I just think that while NIL is a good deal, I think employees, well, and, and you again, know, it's crazy. A lot of things to incorporate, but what is the scholarship factor into that? Mm-hmm. Is that a benefit that you could be taxed on because you're getting a <laughs> – well, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I, I, oh, there's going to be again, some loopholes. I'm just saying, like, and again, when you set it up, and these are things that I think people don't think about when you're like, oh, they, yeah, they're employees. Like, well, what about, okay, if I go to school over here – it costs sixteen thousand dollars a year. I go to school at Vanderbilt. That's twenty five G's. Am I going to have to pay some kind? Of, I, I didn't actually pay for it, but it's being given to me by my now employer. How do I, how do I account for twenty five G's that was basically given to me, but I did? You know, I I, I, th- I think that is that's one of those things you have to figure out. But again, I think it would blow up the college sports it model, would. and it, it it's an unfortunate thing because I think again. There is a pureness to college football, and then there is a dirty side to college athletics that, that you know everybody understands. And there's a monetary side to college foot, or college athletics that everybody kind of understands. And I think again, the NIL is to me a good start. I think when, if you go the employee route, again, I think what the Pac-12 commissioner said, and he goes, it doesn't make him a bad person. I just think, as you said, Ben, you have to get yourself in the mind of a businessman. Oh, you want to run this like a business? Well, let's run this like a business. We're not putting things out there. Uh, we're, we're, we're providing opportunities for student-athletes in a number of sports. I know the, the, the NCAA is proud. They put those commercials out there. It's like, we have X number of athletes participating in 28 different sports and activities uh, that are allowed to come and get educations and do things. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how much money the, quote, Gator Invitational track meet would be. You know, like, hey, we brought in 14 schools. We had to pay for their travel. We had to bring them in and all that. We had to fund that. How many people showed up? Uh, you mean outside of the teams that are sitting in the stands waiting for their turn to compete? Uh, we had about 800 people there. Oh, and they charge them $2,000 a ticket? Uh, so I think there's some of those things where you look at those things and go, hmm, I start looking at a budget line. I don't know people. I don't know faces. I say, all right, over here, this track program is costing you about $800,000 a year, and it said you brought in about five hundred. dollars Where's that other 300000 coming from? And so I, I'm not saying they can't do it, but I'm saying if you want to start treating it like a business, you're going to get somebody that's an accounting budgetary guy to oh, sit down oh, and look the, at it and the go. Amount, the, amount, the amount of sports, so, is, who, who was it? Uh, it was some sport in the Pac-12. Somebody cut a bunch of sports when the pandemic. Because yeah. they said, look, dude, we can't afford it now. Yeah. It's like now. I think it was Stanford. They, yeah, they, they cut a bunch of them. But what I'm saying is, that's another thing, too, cutbacks. Hey, everybody can't be an employee. So it's almost <laughs> yeah. like this. Okay, if you're not a cash cow. And maybe that's, again, they're just talking about football, basketball, women's and women's basketball, but you know the next lawsuit is, well, what, what's the difference in them and yeah. me? All uh, you national know, championships are not created yeah, equal in college athletics. It, it, it's, it's certainly a, it could be a potential mess. We got more to come here. It's three and out. Good to have you along all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you here three and out on this Wednesday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, coming up later in the week. Chris Canty going to join us tomorrow. 
Uh, on the program, Freddie Coleman, Jason Fitz coming up on Friday. Also, Jermichael Finley. Uh, we were able to reschedule for Friday, former Packers Super Bowl winning tight end. So uh, he will uh, join us coming up on Friday. So a busy week as we count it down towards Rams and Bengals. Freddie, I mean, I mean, I know Freddie Coleman, man, is always a favorite of mine, always coming with a Chris Canty, a guy, you know, one is one super duper with the Ravens. I mean, you talk about Jeremiah Finley uh, coming out of that uh, Texas Longhorn, uh, you know, a great player. I mean, won the Super, won the super Bowl with uh, Aaron Rodgers. So, yeah, it should be uh, got some uh, got some great uh, interviews coming this week, Kevin. But uh, hopefully we get getting closer and closer to that super duper. Yeah, and are our picks sure to go wrong on Friday? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, oh, yeah. I think, and I don't know this for, for 100% fact because I haven't, I looked at uh, how we've done, but I want to say if we had a show running total of how we picked the playoffs, <laughs> I, I, I think it might be the first no, one no, like twenty percent correct. Laura Rutledge lets, let, uh, ESPN, she lets her, uh, her little girl uh, pick the right. I'm gonna just start doing that. My, my nephew Juice, he's, he's two. He'll be three in May. This time next year, I'm just get. I mean, I'm gonna just get some hats. I'm gonna let him pick them. That way, when they say, man, yo, no, that's my nephew. Get, get up off him. I'm, I might do better with a three-year-old than a, than a 39. <laughs> Just say, hey, which hat looks cooler? Okay, well, yeah, we'll go with that. We'll go with that, and we'll say the uh, Cincinnati win. But, no, we'll give our picks coming up on Friday. But I know there was one week where uh, – it was a week where they all came down to, like, the last play of the game, and all of us got all of them wrong. And it was <sighs> it was like, hey, we liked it. Nope. It's like one of those where it's like only close counts is uh, horseshoes and hand grenades. It's like, oh, I almost had that Titans win. Oh, Tannehill throws a pick. Listen, all, all I know is, all I yeah. know is, I used to I used to go up in the booth, and I'm the only one didn't have a laptop. And when I finally had a laptop, I was looking at a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Bit troop digging in for the deep stories. There in uh, in the press box, we got a lot to uh, to get to. As we said, still to come on the show this week. We want to thank Maurice Claret joining us here on the program. Also. Uh, Bill Connolly and Chris Rim, AtlantaFalcons.com. Join us earlier in the show. If you missed any of it, ESPNCoastal.com, ESPN Coastal on YouTube to catch all of the highlights. See you tomorrow, 3 and out.